Welcome, everybody, to the Maestro Movie Podcast. I was going to start that formal, but I'm way too tired. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I don't have a written intro. I know people kind of like it, but, like, kind of getting swamped right now. Anyway, so... I feel like the intro is you saying that you don't have an intro plan now. I just think that's standard. Yes. Yes. Um, So... Let's see here. Um, there is news. Okay, so Zach is gone. He's gonna be gone for the next few episodes because Perfect. because um, wait, is it knowledge? Do, I'm gonna if it's not public knowledge, I'm gonna cut this out. But do we? Is it public knowledge that he works for Activision? Yeah, he works for. Activision. Okay, just Always. making sure. He's working. He's helping. He's gonna be gone for the next few episodes because he is working on. He's helping uh, give feedback on um, Black Ops Cold War. So, yeah, they got a big uh, winter release coming out, and it's their big thing. And he's a part of it. And they they need every every man on deck. And then I, I he said he's gonna take like a two week vacation after that. Um, but it seems like they're like. I'm actually surprised it's like not. A- I'm surprised it's not more than two weeks. Like, he deserves the world right now. <laughs> uh, it's. A, I mean, he also says he loves it. So, uh, I mean, it, we'll see. Yeah. Um, okay, so news. As best as we can do without Zach. Um, Oscar Isaac is Moon Knight. Yeah, he's going. He's sticking with Disney. And uh, I uh, considering... Everything I've seen from him, and I don't know anything about Moon Knight, I like the idea that he wants to do a show rather than a movie, because uh, you can do a lot with a show. Okay, visually, that I, now that I actually like look at him, like he looks like he looks like the Marvel version of Spawn. Wasn't Spawn black? Yes, but I'm talking costume. And just oh, like, oh, okay. Moon Knight in general. Yeah, he's he gives me uh, the cloak and um, the and like the lower half remind me a lot of Spawn. But he also just off of like an offhand glance. Um, okay. I, think doc- I get Doctor Doom vibes sometimes. Let's um, let's do let's learn together, everybody. <laughs> so, according to Marvel.com, this is Moon Knight, born to a respectable family, but eschewing its history and beliefs. Mark Spector cut his own path through life by becoming a boxer, a Marine, and finally a CIA operative. Dis- disgusted by the organization's practices, and hurt by his own brother Randall's betrayal, Spectre ejected whatever morals he still possessed and fell into mercenary work around the globe. During this dark time, he made friends with John Paul Frenchy Duchamp, one of the only bright spots in the violent profession of a hired gun. Um, okay. Uh, tiring of overthrowing governments and assassinations, Spectre entered into the orbit of an extreme terrorist named Bushman, who turned on him and left him to die in the harsh Egyptian desert. Somehow, the mercenary made it to a nearby ancient tomb and into the hands of Marlene 
Alorune, the daughter of an archaeologist murdered by Bushman. Near dead, Spectre rose up to find a statue of an Egyptian deity, Khonshu, looming over him and believed it to have saved his life. He proceeded to smash Bushman's operations with Frenchie's help and later realized he gained a new outlook on life. Spectre returned to the United States with his friends and set about creating not only a costumed identity he dubbed Moon Knight, but two other personalities to aid him in his war on crime, millionaire Stephen Grant and cab driver Jake Lockley. With Frenchie as his pilot, Moon Knight began to make an impression on the rest of New York City's heroes. So he's got split personality disorder. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> so he's like Batman times three. Yeah, it looks like it. He's got like... No, it's like he has like the backstory of Deadpool. And like so he's basically Marvel's Deadpool if Deadpool was like taken more seriously. Well, they are both Marvel, but like um uh well actually I feel like there's with the character, yes, the attitude, yes. And maybe he came out at the same time as Deadpool, but Deadpool visually always reminded me of Deadshot as well. Um but it seems to me that, yeah, it's like a combination of Deadpool and uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Either way, this will be a better role for Oscar Isaac than Apocalypse. <laughs> Everyone traps on Apocalypse, but again, like, yeah, like for, um, for a blockbuster outing, it is a crazy... Um, useless character like he's just it's too much there's too many characters in that movie i think but i don't think that his performance is into, has aged as poorly as people think um it does have a eddie redmayne jupiter ascending vibe about it but um i would also say i would just also to point out to star wars and how fun he is in that 10 years how great he is in that um inside lewin davis like uh, Ex Machina. He's great in Ex Machina. He's he's so good. He's been in so much stuff. Like I, I, there's so many fun performances he's done that make me excited for him to play anything weird. Um, and he was is weird. He he was in Triple Frontier, which I have yet to see. Uh, a lot of people were in Triple Frontier, man. Got Benny. I was looking for. I was looking forward to that movie, too. How did that just fly under my radar? Weird. Like that just, as I was reading the bio, I'm like, yeah, Oscar Isaac can play this guy. He was in uh, Triple Frontier. Oh, wait, I haven't seen that. <laughs> well, I also haven't seen the, the latest Michael Bay movie on um, Netflix, either. There's something about the action movies on Netflix that I almost never get around to when, interestingly, like they're all stuff that if they came out in theaters, I'd be a little bit more excited for it. And just, I don't know why. They always kind of slip in. Either, I don't know if Netflix was promoting them well enough. Even the Michael Bay one. And I've seen clips of that. And that thing is gross and violent. And I actually am quite excited to see it, just for the gore alone. Um, but Triple Frontier, I heard, was like something that if it came out in the 90s, people would really enjoy it. I, I've always wanted to watch it on like a lazy day, and I just haven't gotten around to it. Um... So there, so there's that. Uh, good job, Oscar. You got work. Um, John. Bo Speaking of Star Wars, John Boyega said he'd be open to a return. 
not a not a movie right now. He's like an animated or just a TV show. But like, I think that'll change over time. No matter what he does, I think uh, he'll come back. I think he wants to come back. It's just he's got to trust the people. He just needs time away. Um. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm actually quite surprised that he would want to come back. <laughs> I'm actually quite surprised at that. Like, he has given... every... Yeah, he has every reason not, not to. And he has given every reason not to. That's the thing, too. Um, so... It's also Star Wars, and, like, there are good fans out there, and kids do love it, and he was excited about it, and he's a huge Star Wars fan. I just think, yeah, time away and for someone with a good story that he trusts to come up to him and say this is what i want to do for your character you deserve a proper shot because like we may sit here i or i may sit here and crap on jj abrams all the time but like that is a great start for that character in force awakens that is one of the things i loved about force awakens was the new stuff and jj abrams probably looked at him and said there's so many things we can do with this character man and like leading rebellion was something he heard and like being a Jedi was something he heard, but like it, not committing to those ideas was a problem in the first movie. Not having a plan was a problem. I could see that they were all excited about it, but not having a plan hurt them in the end. Giving it to Ryan Johnson, who really wanted to change things, and gave Finn this opportunity to expand the world of Star Wars for the audience. And the audience said, no, I don't like that aspect of the world, which sucks because Finn was the, he was the one who was expanding Star Wars. He was the lead of that. He was a new guy showing you new things in this world you always loved. And people said no to that. And J.J. Abrams came back and was like, um, we'll just have him like have a little bit of the force, and that's it. And He'll yell I, Ray every five minutes. That's being pandering, yes, but at the same time, his story for the film is basically that he is force-sensitive. And that, you know, is it. He doesn't even get her. He doesn't get to do anything. He doesn't really lead the rebellion. That's uh, Pose. Nobody here. really gets anything in that movie. He, he, yeah, he meets other stormtroopers and he fights with them, but you don't really get the sense that he's going to lead them on or anything. Maybe he will, but like she ends up going on with um, uh, Lando. So he's just a friend of Rey's who's kind of a Jedi too. And maybe it would be awesome if years down the line, like we find out Rey, you know, trained him and, you know, she became his master. So that, that, that'd be awesome. But like, all of that needs is time and the right people who loved Jedi and loved his character, regardless of how that series went in general, was like, there's gold here to be mined. And someone accidentally blew a stick of dynamite and buried, the, buried your character deeper in the mountain. We can dig it out for you. And it just needs somebody to get, convince him of that, for him to be interested again. Like, if you're a good part of that series, despite the series being bad, you always have an opportunity to come back these days. It's why people are like, Ewan McGregor was great in the prequels. And it's like, yeah, he deserves his own thing. Like Those, those are bad films for a lot of reasons, but that world is really fun, and he can convince you that the world is real. Like, just not because he's doing a great impression, because you just feel he is the character. He felt he was the character, and we all want him to come back for it. Star Wars is a big world, and the like constriction that people were putting on it with this new sequel series of what it can do, it has to go to the past, it has to be bloodlines and all that stuff, 
it hurt the possibility of the world opening up for a newer audience and for newer things. People got scared about that, and that sucked. That audience was the loudest, and that audience is the one Disney listened to, and I feel really bad about that because we could, by now, we could have had so many interesting things happening. It isn't just that Ryan Johnson would get his own trilogy. That, like We would have had other films by now. We'd know what Finn would be doing right now. We'd know what to expect in the next five years like it was Marvel. That's what they wanted. And instead, they went backwards and cut the future at its knees. And now we don't know what's going to happen because they didn't have a plan. or they did, And they didn't like the way that the series was going naturally. They rebounded to that. And whether that's anybody in specific's fault or not, but that is what happened. So it just needs the right audience to come up to him when they work in the business and look at him and say, hey, let's, let's do this again. And I think he could. Uh, yeah. So, like, yeah. Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, like, they really could do a lot of stuff. Like, right now, that's not exactly clear to me. But, like, I mean, we'll see what they we'll see what what happens. I mean, um, you you like to write fan fiction for things, and you want to be a filmmaker. What if 10 years down the line, you have your fan fiction, which is actually an outline and a script that you wrote professionally, and you sit in front of them one day and you get to pitch that? Like, it's like, imagine if somebody like you or you had that opportunity <laughs> down the line to look at him and be like, dude, I saw what you were worth, man, and they screwed it up. They didn't know what they had with you. I know <laughs> what I Hey, Finn, how would you like to be a black John Wick but in Star Wars? <laughs> well, for, first of all, he'd be like, my name is John. <laughs> name is John. Only friends call me Finn. <laughs> I haven't been Finn for 10 years. Don't you know? I've played many characters since then. Remember when I played Ronald McDonald in the Ronald McDonald biopic? I'm John Boyega. Don't fuck with me. You call me Ronald before you call me Finn. Don't kill my dog. <laughs> yes, I was in John Wick 7, goddammit. <laughs> I, um, I threw Common through three buildings like in Fast and the Furious. Jared Leto is back. Yikes. In the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh boy, indeed. Not only him, uh, but John jo Joe Meganello as well. As well. As, as uh, Deathstroke. Deathstroke, yeah. But I haven't heard Jesse Eisenberg. That'd be a hat trick. That's not. I can remember. I listen. I saw that movie in theaters. I saw Suicide Squad in theaters, and I will never get over that snarl. That he that he gave off, like that, that, that. Yeah, like this guy's played the Joker. Though I do the one line I like from the Joker is like, "Oh, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna hurt you really, really badly." It's like that. <laughs> it is a it is a good line, and that's why they put it in the trailer, and then we all got used to it. I think he has other interesting lines like i so other people have po posited interesting points like if you look at the music video um that uh he's in i forgot who it was for but if you uh watch that music video he's not really saying anything 
He's mostly just quiet, and um, he has a presence about him that I like. It might have been Common, because Common was no, in that movie. It was not Common. Common was only in there for like two minutes. I don't think he made a song for it. If he did, it, was, it wasn't his music video. It was someone like Killer Mike or something like that. It was a hardcore rapper. Um, and I was like, okay, like his, he's intimidating this. It's okay. Like I get it. But um, I've never been able to get over the tattoos, and I've never been able to get over the grill. I hate the fact that they took away. <laughs> I like, forgot. It's just I like, forgot he had a silver grill. <laughs> I like what they did with it. I like the fact that they, they that Batman punched out his smile and made him even more crazy. And like he is crazy. I do like that fact. He is one hundred and ten percent committed to what he's doing. But like also, he made set terrible. And he just wasn't a lot of fun. And I, I kind of feel bad about that. If he wants to come back and they want to uh, finally do something with this character that actually sort of like explains what happened to him, then cool. That gives him closure. But, and I feel like Jesse Eisenberg had closure with his Lex Luthor. But like, I think he's the last one left. He's the last one. He's the outlier entire thing if they get him back then they've got everyone no it's it's henry cavill because henry cavill said he uh he's not he's not involved he was involved no he he i remember re, i remember uh hearing that he had that he had explicitly said he he was not involved i want to i want to double look that up because i feel like i'm i'm yeah, confused. i'll look it up yeah i trust you but at the same time i want to get like confirmation because I would love it if he would get involved. Man, I want him to play Superman some more, man. I think he would be good. I know there are talks about him coming back, but that's the thing. It's just been talked so far. From Collider, Henry Cavill says he is not shooting anything new for the Snyder Cut. Well, maybe they don't need anything. I hope it's that they don't need anything. He shot anything. the movie with a mustache. You would think. No, he did the reshoots with a mustache. Because the whole point is that the, the Snyder Cut is footage that already exists. They're shooting new footage to adapt to the story. He shot everything he needed for his Superman story, but they came back and did reshoots with him doing the mustache. And that's why the original Justice League is so much of a recut of, him, of what he did. That's why there's so much fake mustache in there. All the big moments, the end fight scene, the scene where they find him at the statue, when he goes to see Lois again, all of that has changed. He's supposed to be wearing a black suit. Like, I think they just have all that footage already, and they that Warner Brothers just cut it out. So, and they don't need him. But it also, I don't know, man. Like, I hope that's the case rather than him saying, I don't want to be involved. Um, I could see why he would not feel that way because I think they mistreated him and the character. But, uh, wasn't an overall good experience for him, but I want him to come back. I thought he was the best Superman. Um, you know, here is his time. exact quote. Yeah. Um, not shooting anything additional. No, it's all stuff that has already been done. That has been already done. Obviously, I, I don't know how things are going to evolve and change and adapt depending on now a different length of movie and whatever may happen in post-production. Um, whatever lessons may be learned from what is it four years since Justice League came out? Four years worth of fan reaction. For me, I'm now just watching the party. Close quote. Um, it's I think I think that is I think it's him saying if um they needed me, I might have done it, and I probably would have done it. 
but since I'm not involved, here's my outside perspective. Because saying four years is a very clear thing for him. That's the last time he ever played that character, and it was a terrible experience, and he hasn't thought about it since. So I think that's kind of all he's saying. He's like, I'm out of this. from. I'm looking at it from, like, through a window here so if they need me you know i haven't said anything and until then all of this is like strange and maybe that is also a way of him, of him saying i gave my opinions of how all this was going down and now they're trying to fix it so there you go i don't also know how he feels overall about snyder's take on the character how he's felt working with him for three movies He's made three movies with him, but I don't know how he feels about this take of Superman. Because honestly, Batman vs. Superman is a terrible, terrible spin on that character. And maybe whatever they were planning on doing for the third film was going to be a great arc for him in their eyes. And that got cut and re and rejiggered. And so maybe he's fine with him's version and that he made originally with Snyder coming out. Maybe he's okay with this. And like now that it's coming out, he's like hey, the studio's finally figuring it out, and I'm just looking at them trying to piece it together. If it changes, maybe they'll need me, maybe they won't. Until then, hey, I'm getting the original story out. So cool. So, well, I'm glad he kept busy in the meantime, because as of September 24th, when this article was posted, um, he was filming Witcher Season 2, and I'm guessing before that he was working on Enola Holmes, which I have yet to see. Same here. Um, heard good things. I heard the 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 uh, Doyle estate hates it, but anyway. I mean, uh, there's so many versions of uh, homes out there. At the end of the day, who cares if there's like a little sister? Like, who cares? No, it's not the fact that there was a little sister. It's the fact that Sherlock Holmes was emotional. That well, that they took issue with. Oh, who cares? The, right? I, the right? Reason say, the reason I say that is because there's like how many versions of either Sherlock Holmes or the structure of a Sherlock Holmes character and procedural in general. Like any sort of detective with a weird tick or thing about them that makes them antisocial in general. House with Sherlock Holmes. Like they like Holmes, house. Like they didn't even hide that stuff. Watson, Wilson, like that, that was all over. You had actually elementary, you had the show Sherlock, you had the movie Sherlock with him, like all of them playing the exact same thing. Give them some emotion. Who cares? Like, fine. Like, I have no problem with that. It's just another way of viewing the character that hasn't been done before. Instead of being mad about it, just be open to it as if it's going to make you more money. Um, Why aren't you that adherent to him taking drugs and smoking opium? <laughs> Drinking embalming fluid. He's supposed to be antisocial. Well, he also like drinks embalming fluid and you know does cocaine and does and does you know. Opium. I like. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I like. I like calm, calm that down. I like the line from the first uh, Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. where Jude Law is like, uh, "You know what you're drinking is meant for eye surgery." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I love I like Sherlock, and I like all these different versions about it. But mostly, I like Millie Bobby Brown. I haven't watched Stranger Things as much as other people. It's been very scattered for me. Like I'll watch two episodes here, three episodes there. I never watch them consistently with everybody else, but I have finished it. 
And I do like her. And I, I don't think I saw King of Monsters yet. But um, she's just one of many parts that just are sort of doing things. Many actors that are just looking up a lot. So <laughs> that's all that is. But I, I did, I hear she was very good in it. And I heard the movie was really good. So I was like, one day I'll, one day I'll probably watch it after I watch either um, uh, something about Sherlock Holmes or maybe those Robert Downey Jr. ones again. Um, I never, I don't love those as much as everybody else, but I do love Junior. So I will probably watch them again Sunday. Assassin's Creed is getting a show on Netflix. Um, what would you want from this show after watching the movie and playing the games? It has been literally a year since I played the last one. Like... I have to go back to Assassin's Creed 2, which is kind of universally the best one. Um, I guess, like, there has to be, like, some... They have to strike a balance. And that balance is making the real-world narrative compelling as well as the past narrative. Because, like, the whole deal with Assassin's Creed is, like, the appeal is all the past stuff. Even though the current stuff is kind of, like, primary, but it's not, like, it doesn't take up the the majority of playtime. Like, you're mostly in the past going through this narrative trying to find a certain thing so in the real world, they can use that thing to stop the end of the world. It's like it's like the present is the primary narrative, but then you have to go through the past narrative and like just to get what just to get what they need. So like that has to be compelling. As I just like for me personally, I just want like balance. I'm like Thanos. Perfectly balanced as all things should be. Um, and you know what I'm saying? Because, like, oftentimes, like, the, the consensus among Assassin's Creed fans, especially in those days before it became an RP, a choose-your-own RPG, a choose-your-own-adventure RPG, um, was, like, the past stuff the, the the past narrative is where it's at. This current stuff is boring. So I'm and like Yeah, so I'm hoping they can make the current stuff like compelling because the movie failed at both. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, I mean I ne- I've never played the games, and that's all. That's the exact same thing I've heard too. So, I mean, it's Netflix, so there's a, there's a. <sighs> I'm gonna give Netflix a better. I'm gonna say Netflix. I think Netflix is more capable of making a Assassin's Creed property than. 
legend. I think legendary pictures made Assassin's the Assassin's Creed movie. Anything could be better than what they made. I mean, I, I love Fassbender and Michael K. Williams and Marion Cotillard, but uh, that movie is such a blank fart in my brain. It's like. It's somewhere in there. Jeremy Irons, Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> oh, my God. There you go. It's slowly going away. I fear that one day I will get some brain-eating disorder, and the last memory I'll have left in my head is that, and that'll be the time that I just relive it over and over again. It's so deep in there. There wasn't even a narrative. There wasn't even a past narrative. There was just... Ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, it was It's on Hulu if you want to bore yourself or go to bed. I don't know. That there's a lot of people who said that, yes, that that was the biggest problem with it. Um, I found both to be uninteresting. Yeah, the visual nature of him being in the past, jumping around and stuff is what makes the game cool. But, like, it's also not really a story. It just looks cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if it's a TV show where they spend most time in the past and then start developing the real world, you could, like, start to blend them a little bit more. But... A TV show will allow for more adventures to happen, sort of like, um, it sounds to me like it would be more like Dollhouse. Yeah, um, that's kind of like, that's kind of like, um, that's kind of like where I'm at with that. Um, yeah. Maybe it'll be good, maybe it won't. I mean, Netflix, I think, is interesting because it produces good shows, but it also... If they're not hits, it's been losing faith in them recently. So, so here's my question: Are they gonna like adapt the games, or are they gonna try what the movie did and go with a new like, and what the games eventually did and go with a new like, um, with a new character? Um, I think the games and the stories have elements that they would want to take, and I think people would want them to do the stories of the games and i think it's possible like that those are that's material there that you can use and branch out on i would hope so but i don't know anything about it um so i if they were to start from scratch like they did the movie then just they would have to at least borrow the format of the game to some extent and if you're going to borrow the format of you might as well just take elements and it'll tell the stories I think it'll be easier for them because it's a series instead of a two-hour movie where they have to cram a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, one last little bit of news. Mandalorian Season 2 this, fri- uh, this Friday. Are you excited? I am excited. <laughs> um, it, do you like Star Wars? Are you a Star Wars fan? I'm about to tell you how much of a Star Wars fan I am once we I'm get looking, to what I'm we watched. I'm looking through your window and I see nothing but like My Little Pony on your wall, so I can tell. That's the person upstairs, Alex. Oh, that's the person upstairs. It's you. I'm looking at you in there. Oh, okay. All right. Um, I'm trying anyway. to hide all you all. <laughs> I just watched <laughs> uh, Gosling and the guy fall off the roof and. I love that. I love that it's seen in. Oh, yes. Uh, I forgot to mention up top that uh, the Goodwill chose the nice guys for tonight, and that's what we will yeah. be reviewing. Um, God, it was so good. Um, anyway, so I am excited. It looks, from all appearances, that 
the Pedro Pascal rumors may have been not as serious as they were made out to be. Because he still seems to be in good spirits about the whole thing. Really? Yeah, like, um, he did a video plugging the merch, and he was all jovial and all that. Like, he was looking like he was having a good time. Okay, all right, well, all right. Like, like... No one said anything? Okay. Like, messing around with a Baby Yoda doll or whatever. I mean... If if he's doing marketing, then he got paid for something. So, if it, even if it was a troubled set, I mean, I guess they're waiting until season three to figure out how to shoot that uh, to go with it. But until then, if he's doing marketing, he's involved in some way. He's getting paid somehow. He's fulfilling some contractual obligation. Right. Um, so maybe, yeah, it's cool when they're just, like, not talking about the rumors. I don't know if I was... Um... I don't know if I wasn't, like, paying attention to it, but it didn't come across to me that he was phoning any of that in. Um, he is a good actor, though. I will say that. That that, that must be taken into account. Mm-hmm. Anyway. anyway um, I'm excited. Um, me and my dad have made a pact. He gets up at, like, four in the morning to go to work. I, like, usually... I don't have to be to work until like three that day till three until three p.m. So he is. We have made a pact. Dad is going to be kind and rewind <laughs> for me, and then we're not going to talk until I've seen it, and I and I will see it as, almost as soon as I wake up. <laughs> um, that's nice of him. And here's the funny thing. I don't know how many episodes there will be. I should probably I guess, look that up. I'm going to guess eight. There's going to be guess. No, not the Mandela effect. Darn, autocorrect. Why are you looking up Mandela effect? Nelson Mandela affected a lot. He became the president. I'm looking it up in my tree. I've got an entire entire cabinet worth of facts in this tree. I put a lot up here. It's also still very cold. Very cold. No walls. Imaginary walls. So me and my underwear out here is not smart. Uh, still looking through my files, though. Mandela. Mandela. Um, Eugene Mandela? No, no, not Eugene dang Mandela. It. How many episodes? Okay, here, here's what we'll see. How many episodes? Eight, I'm guessing ah! eight. Blah, 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 blah. And... These niches blah, 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 blah. Because season two have not yet been announced, so the show is expected to begin with chapter nine, blah, 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 blah. Episode eight, episode lengths have also been kept secret. Ah, you're an idiot. It does not, it does, okay, this article does not say. We are five days away. Okay. We are five days away from freaking 
Um, Mandalorian. From Mandalorian season two. And nobody knows how many episodes it is. Okay, cool. All right. I guess I'm going to find out, Alex. I'm going to find out. It's like two. <laughs> That'd be funny. That would actually be funny. Both of them are like six hours long. Yeah. Um, was a choice, <laughs> and it's like it's like a crazy Russian director comes out. He's like, no one heard of me. They gave me opportunity. Marvel very open to artistic interpretation. Whole movie in Russian. I promise, no communism will be in this film. I promise. No, I am actually Buddhist. Can you not tell? <laughs> um. Okay. What did we watch this week? Do you want to go first? No, you go first. You always okay. go first. Uh, all right. Um, well, I... Uh, what did I watch? Um, we watched a bunch of uh, werewolf movies. I watched Ginger saw that. Snaps. I saw that. Uh, Ginger Snaps is really good. Um, Wolf of Snowy, Snow Hollow is really good. It's a new one that came out. I recommend. Um, I rewatched. There are two. There are two movies I watched that reminded me, um, that were reminded of me of this movie. And one of them was something called Angus. I didn't finish it. I got halfway through it, and I will be finishing it soon. But when he pull, when he gets the jacket after the car, the night after the car crash in Nice Guys, uh, he uh, he says it's like maroon. And in, uh, there's a whole deal with the jacket like that, and people talk about the color in Angus. And Angus is really great. It's a great fall movie. I really love it. Um, let's see. What else did I watch? Uh, let's see. I already told you about Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. I rewatched that. It's mm, pretty much uh, a lot of Sorkin. I've been watching a lot of Aaron Sorkin lately. It's a, he's a, a guy I keep coming back to. That's pretty much it. Okay, so oh wait, we which, were talking- which movies? We're watching which movies? That's that's what it was. Sorry, <laughs> uh, we watched. Uh, I rewatched The Witch, which is genuinely a really scary movie. Um, I think you would hate it. It's pretty much cool. about how um, it's. This, you know, I think you'd like this idea though. It's set when pilgrims were around in the okay. 1600s during the um, Salem witch trial scares. Uh, so this family, the whole point of pilgrims is that they left England for because of religious persecution. This is about a family that went with the pilgrims, and even the pilgrims were like, "You are too religious for us. You got to go out. You got to go on your own, people." So this family leaves because they're too pious, and they go out and live in the woods. But there is a genuine, real, fucking witch out in those woods. And the first thing that witch does is take their baby and crush it and smother her body with its goo and then use it to fly on a broomstick. So this witch is not, like, fucking around. <laughs> it's, it's insane. <laughs> and then just, like, massacres this family um, slowly. It's a really intense movie. Uh, rewatch The Blair Witch Project, which I do still like. I think if you're, like, alone in your room on the Halloween in a, in a big house or something like that. If you just like feel the loneliness during this season, that is a good movie to like get lost in. It's hypnotizing. It's, it's like, if you give into it, you get lost with the characters. And by the end, it's, it's pretty spooky and it sticks with you. Uh, we rewatched Stardust, which uh, I think I'm going to put on the wheel for us one day. I think you'd enjoy the movie Stardust a lot. Um, it's a lot of fun. 
And then we watched a movie called Practical Magic, which was crazy, Chris. It was all over the board. Beautiful looking, but like kind of nuts. It's like two different stories. It's about like finding love if you're a witch, but then it's also about um, how two witch sisters kill someone and it haunts them. So <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's two different movies at the same time. It's really weird. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what I watched. Okay, so we were talking about the last... You, you kind of got off on a tangent with The Last Jedi, right? Did I? I mean... With John Boyega. Like, Boyega, yeah, more so than anything. Um, I came across this video by a YouTube channel called Heroes Fan Productions. And basically, what this channel is, is just like fan videos um like they do like fan they're like fan made edits you remember the have you ever seen the kenobi has ptsd video yeah that's pretty much what we're talking about here um so they made this video years ago and i just discovered it it's about Uh, Luke Skywalker in uh, The Last Jedi, and it's called The Greatest Teacher Failure Is. Um, Which is a quote from Yoda, obviously. (laughs) If you couldn't couldn't tell. (laughs) Oh, man. I made him an offer he can't refuse, which, uh, if you didn't know, was a quote from The Godfather. So, <laughs> Alex, oh. it's okay. So, here's the thing it's eight minutes long. So, okay. Alex, and I just sent it in the Skype chat. When you have like a moment or afterwards, you could watch it. Yeah. And, like, it, and I was, I'm also getting, I'm also starting to get into the YouTube channel called Just Right. And, um, yeah. Yeah. and so, He did a video on The Last Jedi. A few videos on The Last Jedi, I should say. One of them was, like, um, like, fan, about fan perception and, like, um, what was it? There was, it was a theory about, um, about, like, how audiences react to, to certain stuff. And so he was describing how he liked how Luke Skywalker like how how Luke Skywalker was handled and he kind of gave his explanation of that and he's like and he perfectly summed it up I'm paraphrasing here but he summed it up in like Luke Skywalker's arc in this movie is a a, like a beautiful it's kind of like a is like a portrait into like like depression like like overcoming failure and depression and kind of like that and then i think this video kind of like in a montage sort of way really like hones in on that idea and like i can't stop watching this (laughs) (laughs) so it's beautiful it ties in his whole arc throughout the movies, even some of Anakin's too, 
It's beautiful. Whenever you have the chance to go and watch it, you can go. You should go and watch it. Like I think I might have already. I think I might have already seen Just Right's video uh, about Luke Skywalker. I went on a tangent of Last Jedi's videos not too long ago, around the time Rise was out. Um, and yeah, I think I saw just about every single positive one that I could find, and a couple like negative ones that made. I think I found like maybe one or two that made decent arguments, but most of them were just like pretty spiteful and all over the place. But the best, and not all of the positive ones were great arguments, but most of them, the I liked the ones that explored Luke's story, or were not afraid to do it. We're not afraid to look at what the story was and what they were trying to say with it. And all that heard a few different ideas, but most of them were basically just about how it's pretty apparent. He says it to Ray himself. He's like, look at the Jedis, man. They allowed the Senate to be controlled. Like they were egomaniacs and your pride can be your downfall. And that is exactly what happened. And it totally makes sense. This guy who has been whiny and angry all of his life, who couldn't go out and hang out with his friends at the beginning of the film, that never leaves you really. And it doesn't, especially when your dad had the same problems, man. They were more extreme and he leaned into them more and became an evil person with them. But like, that never left Luke, and it's always been there. So when he sees everything he's built and worked for and fought, seeing it that it will all come down one day unless he murders this kid, there's a part of him that's like, I'm doing the right thing here, man. What would you do if you were the one who raised and trained Hitler and you knew right there what he's capable of doing? And you know that you could stop him if you do something. Not only stop him you would stop him and save your own legend and image in the process it's a quick second i believe that luke has the ability to be that human and that fallible and most importantly to do the most human thing in the world after it which is isolate yourself from humanity kill the possibility of training anyone else and letting your ego get in the way again and feeling shame and guilt and yes depression on an island by yourself away from all of it because you are incapable of trusting that you can make the right decision when it counts. That makes sense to me. And I think he makes a fair argument for it. That's a great turn for a character, especially when he makes the stance he does at the end, which should have been the thing that inspired a new revolution, not having the new revolution be the B story to Ray finding knives and wayfinders. No, that should have been the story of the fucking third movie. And it kills me every time. It kills me every time that that is not what the third movie is that the third movie is not a oceans 11 type let's get the band back together going to planets all over the system and building an army based off of the story of ray and what happened on that planet that is why that ending is so important and so impactful it's supposed to inspire the galaxy and the people who made the new movie were like uh no and it just it it kills me every time Every time. You can still do something with it, and they will in the future. But, like, it's such a gut punch because they didn't get it. They didn't want to get it. They didn't try to get it. And it sucks. So that happened. So this, vi- this video is awesome. Um, Heroes Fan Productions, beautiful work. Um, they also do... They also do. Uh, they also did do. They also do um, their own short films, which I have not watched. They don't get as nearly as many views as the fan edits, but you know, 
What's the same thing with um, Raph, the movie maker? I was watching, yeah. I watched Game Grumps, and um, one of the guys was talking about him, and the other guy goes, his name's Ralph the movie maker? And he's like, yeah, and he's like, but he does reviews? And he's like, yeah, but he's like, why would you have, that's pretty ballsy to call yourself Ralph the movie maker. Does he make films? And it's like, no, he, the other guy didn't know. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, dude, his shorts are so good. Yeah, and I was like, I felt bad. Because sometimes you get famous for something you don't want to be for, and then you have this other thing that nobody else knows about, and it's it sucks. But like, uh, as long as you're good, then who cares? Yeah. So, not to toot my own horn, as Zach would, but I gotta fill the quota. Yesterday was my 24th birthday. Um. Right. Um. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Happy birthday Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. What I wanted to do... Okay, I'll finish the rest of What I wanted to do this year was construct a Christmas tree so that Kiefer Kiefer Sutherland can get drunk and jump on it. That's a great video. Um, Kiefer Sutherland played Jack Bauer in the show 24. Yeah, Made a documentary about how he managed a band, got drunk in the middle of it, and then yeah, jumped on top of a very tall Christmas tree. Uh, uh, Kiefer Sutherland is crazy in a very um, fun way. So yeah, like uh, one of the old like Game Informer magazine editors said on a YouTube video, he's like Jack. Ba- I mean, not Jack Bauer. Kiefer Sutherland just sounds like a cool guy that you would want to hang out. Uh, you want to hang out at a bar with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the guy you have drinks with so that you are not the one who jumps into the tree. He's the one who does it for your entertainment. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, man, you're awesome. So what I did was after after a uh, a meeting, I, um, I brought my, uh, my PlayStation 4 VR headset over to my friend's house with disinfectant wipes. I will mind you, we wiped it down every every use. Um, and we played VR. Um, which they had never really done. So that was kind of cool. I got them to fly an X-Wing. It was painful watching them fly like crazy and crash into stuff, but um, still fun. We also played Beat Saber, and that was kind of a workout for them. Uh, far more than they were anticipating. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, Green Day's holiday, we'll do that to you. Um, <laughs> On holiday. We, uh, I did have to get... No, wait. I did have to... No, they were insistent on playing on the hardest difficulty. So, like, my, uh, so my friend was like, Cue up Believer by Imagine Dragons. I'm going to crush this. And he just, like, flails wildly at the... <laughs> it was so funny. I got a video of it. Um, oh, wow. It was really funny. Uh, but um, my friend was like, you know what this reminds me of? Ready Player One. Let's watch Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. We watched Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... The more I hear about Ready Player One out in the ether, um, the more negative it seems to have impacted people. 
Uh, it's a it's an avatar situation, yeah. So, so for me personally, it's just like okay, I see the problems. It's basically the last, like the last Airbender. Um, I, I think that's a little harsh. No, 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 no. Here's a, okay. So like okay, so it's the last Airbender in that the monologue is so expository. And unnecessary. That it's to me, I, I could not ignore how unnecessary it was. Um, I, I can get past that. That's. Um, I I don't think that the issues, at least for me, with that film, are the the necessarily technical problems. It's right. Two, it's two. I would say it's two things that bother me. One could have been fixed on film and one could not. Uh, maybe maybe one, maybe a third one could have changed it and that is that Steven Spielberg did not direct it but that somebody like Edgar Wright or somebody who's been like raised off of Steven Spielberg made it. Not Spielberg himself. But I think the biggest issue with the story is that it's stuck in the 80s and has no real connection with the future. Like it, it has no present that ideas. That is true. Like it's it's stuck in a window that, that does hurt it. Uh, no, and the other thing is, it's a gamer uh, movie. So why do the three? Why does this big clan that gets together at the end of the movie all live in the same fucking neighborhood? And when they do show up, all they do is support the white guy. The white guy does everything. It's like you had an opportunity to really to have like a kid in Paris help him somewhere else, a kid in China somewhere else. Like really talk about how. Gaming brings everyone together to support this one neighborhood and can do that. You can save a community by ch uh, connecting with the rest of the world. So many things they could have done, but instead, like, his best friend who happens to be a woman drives the car around, and that's it. That is it. And you're like, oh, that sucks. Oh, that kind of sucks. Like, I've watched that movie a lot. I think it's fun to look at. I think it's a good time. I don't think it's boring. I'm way easier on it than I am than other people are, but I do admit that those are two problems with that movie. Like I love. I this didn't. Don't get me wrong, but and I was raised close enough to the '80s, but at a certain point, I don't think it's going to age very well. And the uh, and I think that's because Spielberg made it, and not people inspired by Spielberg making it. And then yeah, they had an opportunity to really do something with that group of kids and not just make it about this one white kid, but they didn't, and it hurts it. I honestly think so. So. Like, I didn't, okay, not going to lie, I think this makes me, this makes me, I think that, okay, I didn't really see that problem. <laughs> it's like, like, now that I look at it, it's like, okay, that was really staring me in the face. And right. like, Somebody now that you bring it up, it's like, oh man, okay, I can see that now. I can see that being a problem for people. Like, I need to check myself because I think I'm getting too used to it now. So, I don't think it's a. First of all, that's my that's my thing about film, right there is that when I didn't think of that and I didn't see that it was there, and I think I saw it, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I remember watching the ending and kind of being like, "Okay, can we learn more about these people?" What's going on? And then the movie was mm -hmm. over. And I was like, huh, wouldn't it be interesting if they were from other places? And I like, these were just 
forethoughts in my mind watching the movie, but I still was enjoying it as I was watching it. It wasn't until someone really pointed it out and really like laced that into me that I was like, damn, yeah, mm, that makes a lot of sense. But you have to reckon the fact that I've still watched the movie several times since. There's still things I like about it. I still, it's still Spielberg. There are still yeah. some sequences and moments in there that are thrilling and really great. It's better than your average bear of a movie. I guarantee you that. Like people may like I, people that I know recently have been pooping on CGI and how things are all CGI takes them out of them. I'm like, welcome to the 21st century, guys. There are kids that are raised on this, and it's all they know. And like there are 18 year olds who have been raised with this CGI stuff, and this is not. They may have watched the development, but to them, this is normal. This is the way the world is. You have to adapt or die at a certain point you have to look at a film from when it was made see if it did they do the best they could and they put a lot of time and effort into how that movie looks there's some artistry in there it does have problems that don't allow me to invest in it that once the movie is over i'm like okay let's watch something else i don't sit back and think about it the way i do maybe minority report i think does for some of those sequences but certainly jurassic park and jaws i think about those movies those are movies that i like like when my mom, my mind wanders like three hours after watching it. It's to it's to those movies, but I don't do that with. Wait, that your film. mom wanders? Did I just hear my that right? Wa- yeah, my mom wanders. My mom wanders, you know, and then it goes, <laughs> and I'm like blippity bloppity, and I think the clickety clackety, and the next thing you know, we got a Beatles song. Yeah. I will say, um, Wade Watts is a better character than Tommy Matthews. Who's Tommy Matthews? The guy from Madden that I talked about last episode. Oh, that's right. Well, yeah, but I poor mean, Ty Sheridan. Good God, he went from this to Madden. Hey, Ty Sheridan starred in a Spielberg movie, dude. He's doing just fine. No one who went from a Spielberg movie to maybe the worst Madden game ever made. I think yes, I do. Again, I do. I said it last week. Yeah, he doesn't have. He keeps ending up in forgettable things, but he has been very good in other stuff. He just right. hasn't—he doesn't have a good run in the blockbuster world. But I also think I—I—he I, doesn't really offer a lot to. He hasn't uh, been in a YA movie. That's uh, why he hasn't done very well. I'm kidding. Well, dude, Ready Player, Ready Player One is a YA movie that is totally a YA movie, just because it's not a book. Okay, totally scratch a, that. YA <laughs> franchise. Actually, I think Ready Player One is technically a young adult book. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give you that one. Not only that, that, the one. sequel, the sequel just came out, so now it's a series. Oh yeah, no. Well, the movie hasn't come out, so we can't. No, 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 no. The book, the book is now right. Fixed. The book is now becoming a franchise. But I also heard the plot of that movie, and it's literally the exact same play- plot as the last movie. So I hope they don't make it. Anyway. Um, so, like, I really, like, I really, like, I was watching it, I'm like, this is, this is still fun. I still like this. Mm -hmm. Like, narratively, they are literally, like, it was actually kind of funny, it was just, like, bizarre to me, it was just, like, how, (laughs) like, It was really weird because of, like, there was, like, a weird undertone of idolatry towards this, towards this man. Oh, who yeah. Who has created 
this game and left $500 trillion in the game itself to whoever finds this egg. And the movie is like, just does nothing with it. I would have liked it if it was like a like a Luke Skywalker Yoda type situation, whereas they have this idea in their head of who this guy is, and he just completely like wipes the wipes just like destroys their expectations. Where he's just like, oh man, he was just such a cool guy, and he did all this awesome stuff, and he was just super chill and nervous, and like, and then it turns out he go, it turns out they go at the end, he's like. He's like, yeah, I'm actually super confident, and I'm much younger than I look to be. I made up all those memories, by the way. Oh man, that would have like, been cool. I was hoping they were doing something with that, and they kind of just like, oh, everybody worships this guy because he has five hundred trillion dollars, and this like the movie just does nothing with it. I feel like well, something interesting I mean, could have been done with that. Well, the thing that you can't do about that is he. There's no mystery around this man because he doesn't live in a world that allows mystery. If you become the president of the CEO True. or something immediately just like steve jobs and steve wozniak you get thrust into the limelight so he like the problem is he became the uh he became a legend and an, an idol to nerds he became the guy to like that all the people who went on to a place like that were like that's why the 80s stuff got stunted well into the future and you're like that's a weird idea and like the second movie should be about like an exploration of new things, but like, yeah, it's just weird. I, I when you think about this movie too much as a nerd thing, it really kind of highlights some weird ideas. But it does not mean it's not a fun time to watch. I do like the worlds. I do like the references. I do think that there's some cool set pieces. I think Olivia Cook is good. Um, yeah, and I, I I I don't think it's a bad movie. But there are things about it that like don't age well and won't age well for sure. Yeah. But there is worse stuff out there, guys. Like much worse. I I think Avatar is a better movie than people give it credit for these days. But I I don't know if I necessarily want to see four sequels to it. But I don't think James Cameron has made a bad movie. Spielberg has made not great movies, and this is one of those movies that's okay. It's it's better than okay. It looks amazing. It's a technical marvel, but like as a story, you know, it's whatever. I think right. the biggest thing is I'm not a gamer, and there are some gaming things about it that are awesome that gamers do enjoy, and I will so, not, I gives it extra points. Here's the funny thing that we were that we pointed out. Um, whereas the, remember like the big battle, okay, so like the climactic battle, and it cuts to the real world, and all these people and all these kids are like running around with VR headsets, and and in the street. So yeah. like we were like. They're wearing headsets out in the middle of the street. What if they just hit, like, the wall of a building? What if they walk out into the middle of the street and just get run over by one of these giant military-grade vehicles? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Somebody died that day. Somebody died. <laughs> For sure. They ran in the middle of traffic. No no doubt. So I've seen clips of... I've seen a clip of The Boys Season 2 where the guy's girlfriend gets run over by the speedster. What if it, what if it just happened like that? It was just like all of a sudden they're just they're kind of like just playing this game and then all of a sudden like this dude just ends up with blood all over him. He's like because he gets run over by a vehicle, <laughs> and then the uh, the the uh, the woman who was in a villain, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then just drives off looking for Tyson. <laughs> 
I love how you're referencing this show, man. It is a great show. Everyone loves this and Lovecraft Country. And, like, yeah, I'm super happy because The Boys is great. But, like, again, I say, I tell this to everybody. I, someone spoiled the comics for me, and the show's not cut up. And, again, I cannot wait until people know this, like, red wedding thing that I know. And I just can't wait. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's pretty much that's what I watched this week. Besides our main event, which shall, which we now shall get to. Yeah, I'm the nice guys. So I'm pretty excited to watch new stuff. Shane Black is back on the Shane show. Black. So. Alex, what did Shane Black do between Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and The Nice Guys? Um, well, uh, Shane Black's story into directing uh, from writing is interesting. So, yeah, he, he was writing some action movies. He, got, he, he landed big with Predator, and then the Lethal Weapon series carried him for a while. But he made some stragglers on the side as a writer that I do want to reference that um, people know about, but more people should know about. First of all, he wrote The Monster Squad, which is a great Halloween movie that everyone should see. He wrote The Last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis and Damon Waynes, which is a great movie. He wrote Last Action Hero. Um, He wrote The Long Kiss Goodnight with Gina Davis. Oh, man, I forgot he wrote Last Action Hero. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, He also wrote uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight, which is my favorite of his side movies. Um, before um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang showed up, and that is Gina Davis and Samuel Jackson's. Gina Davis is a normal mom who um, finds out through, uh, I think, a head injury or something like that, that she's actually a secret hitman and that has amnesia. And uh, I think Jackson, I may have seen the, I may have seen clips of that. That movie is awesome because Samuel Jackson is just a normal PI and he's doing like the Shane Black PI dialogue, but he's also becomes the sidekick to this like powerful hitman like this atomic blonde like hit woman and he's like i uh, <laughs> i don't know what's going on so he's just along for the right quipping the whole time and it's amazing it's so good she's super fun in it um and then he would finish uh he didn't write lethal weapon 3 and lethal weapon 4 but he did get producer credits for him that's why he was writing all these side movies um but he made that's how he got kiss kiss bang done in 2005 he had took 10 years to get it uh, together and figure it all out. And it was a big deal for him. Um, he didn't make, uh, I, he didn't make anything in between that or uh, until Iron Man three, which was in 2013. So he made kiss, kiss, bang, bang in 2005. Robert Downey Jr. Helped him get Iron Man three in 2013, which did really well. and was a lot of money. And then three years later, he went on to make nice guys. Um, he made another movie, a, a like TV movie called Edge that didn't really go anywhere as a, a series. And he did write, like help write something else called AWOL, um, which was like this short that he did. But basically between Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Iron Man 3, he really didn't do anything. He just like put the money together and planned together to do that and had Robert Downey Jr. help him make that. Um, he was also getting the money together to do Predator and he wrote Nice Guys. And then after Iron Man 3, he just got the money together to make Nice Guys, which is pretty much a sequel to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang story-wise. And after that, he got the rights to make Predator, and he made the next Predator movie, um, which had a whole other problem to it. 
Um, and he hasn't made anything since that I know of. I don't know if he... Ha- I'm going to check real quick to see if he has anything planned. Oh, yeah, what he's doing. Um, he... Oh, he's going to make the Doc Savage movie. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he has another thing called Cold Warrior. But basically, between Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and this, he had Iron Man 3 and uh, was writing the... Uh, scripts for these other movies predators and nice guys but he was just getting the clout together to actually direct again and robert danny jr helped him for sure that's pretty much it Mm. god this movie was a lot of fun it really is i love it a lot um like just like I, i found myself like Um, I didn't, like, mm, trying to see how to phrase it. Okay, so, like, I watched this, and then I got wiped out at work. So I'm kind of hazy. You'll have to carry me, Alex. Um, Luckily, I've seen this a lot. And you're watching it right now. Um, it's in front of me, yeah. It is, yeah. So, like, I haven't, I didn't really, like, get invested into the mystery until these until Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling started clicking. And by the way, this movie, if anything else, is proof that Ryan Gosling can freaking go. He can make more than one face. <laughs> um yes, I I've actually been a fan of Gosling ever since um half Nelson which was just a little bit after Murder by Numbers. Um, so Ryan Gosling started on the Mickey Mouse Club, and he's a Canadian guy. He showed up on, like, Flash Forward and a bunch of Canadian shows. And then eventually he started doing small indie films, like um, United States of Leland and stuff like that. And he played a lot of those quiet characters. Murder by Numbers, he is a charming James Dean kind of... Uh, bisexual villain it's crazy he plays against like sandra bullock and michael pitt he ended up dating sandra bullock who's way younger than her um and then he got his first oscar nom with half nelson both of those movies highlight um what he was capable of doing as a serious actor and they're both performances i think that show what he can do quietly and can show what he can do like charming wise and then he got uh, The Notebook with Rachel McAdams, and that was a huge thing. The Notebook is an amazing, per- like, fun performance. He is charming. He's romantic. He's angry. He's all of those things. They have a lot of chemistry. He is a lot of fun in it. Um, and since then, he's done funny things. Like, my favorite side performance from him is Lars and the Real Girl. And he does do a lot of staring, and he is quiet in that a lot. But it is a very funny performance, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, he also did Drive, Only God Forgives. Uh, he made a, lo- a movie called Lost River. All of these movies highlight this kind of quiet pace thing that he does. But there's also Crazy Stupid Love and The Big Short. Both of those movies truly highlight how funny he is. He also does a lot of side stuff. Like He was a fan of the whole Ryan Gosling won't eat his cereal thing. He, but this is probably the funniest thing that he's ever done. Performance-wise, it's top to bottom amazing. He's just so good in it. Um, and and I, it shows people that he can do this, but I also, I think that there will be a reevaluation of his quiet work. 
of his more like interesting stuff. Like I think Place Beyond the Pines is amazing, and I think Blue Valentine is a is a an actor throwing himself into a performance. That movie is a hard watch, but he literally throws himself into it. But Place Beyond the Pines, I think, highlights how great he is as a quiet person. Drive highlights that. Um, Half Nelson highlights it. But Half Nelson, I think, is a good border between him being charming and fun and him being quiet and controlling the moment with just his silence. But this is the funniest thing he's ever done. (laughs) I'm watching trailers um of this movie to jog my memory um man uh, <laughs> that whole that old club that old club sequence towards the towards like the end towards the end of the first night that was that's all that was all that was all super funny like oh when he falls off the uh banister when he gets drunk and falls off the banister yeah <laughs> and then he goes swimming after the naked mermaids <laughs> Yeah, dude. Um, I watching it now. I was enjoying just like it. Really, is a very fun. Pro- like when uh, Russell Crowe breaks into his house and attacks him. Just how funny he is in that moment. The scream he does. The like, uh, I love that game. Like he's so good. He's so on point. Also, this is not to understate Russell Crowe too. Russell Crowe is on point too. This is. <laughs> Great. Russell Crowe has not been this good for me in a long time. I think the last big thing that he had done was play Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in the Mummy movie. And then outside of that, he's done a lot of like, he was in like The Man with the Iron Fist and a bunch of other small roles. He did a horror movie every now and then. He had a big divorce though, and he started selling stuff. And he just was kind of like letting himself go a bit. But this movie really showcases how great he is. It's not like, um, it's not the first time he's played like <laughs> kind of thing. He uh, was in L.A. Confidential, a really big movie with Kim Basinger, who's also in this movie. So that's a callback to them. So Russell Crowe has done this kind of stuff before, but I honestly haven't seen anything him do anything like this in a long time. I just watched the the in the trailer. They just showed the part where they dumped the where they dumped the. The, Bye, uh, the porn, be. the porn movie over the, over the over the over the fence, and it dumps onto a dinner table. Okay, so I'm gonna. <laughs> this I'm gonna... movie is, is like is slapping fun, man. Oh god, that's such a funny moment. So I, I want to tell you a little thing. If if you mm-hmm. ever play a game of trivia, a game like um, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with other actors, and someone's like, "Have Ryan Gosling and Robert Downey Jr. ever been in a movie together?" Why? Yes, they have. Because guess who played that dead body? No way! <laughs> Absolutely, Robert Downey Jr. Okay, that's awesome. Watch, watch it again when he's doing the whole lighting the cigarette thing against the tree, and that's totally Robert Downey Jr. Hold on, let me let me let me rewind back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's totally him. <laughs> so and like one of his many like doc, uh, Sherlock Holmes disguises. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then Rob, and then Rob, Ryan Gosling does a perfect uh, Abbott and Costello. Uh, yep. Where he's just wheezing. He's like, <laughs> perfect, perfect, <laughs> amazing. Um, and then like, I also like how um, Russell Crowe's trying to be is like the tough guy, where he's just like beating people up for money. And then he sees a dead body, and he's like, I gotta go puke <laughs> yeah, before we touch this thing. I do think it's a 
amazing that like yeah well i think it's funny because yeah he after that party ends up killing someone anyway like he's not afraid of death he's done some bad things but it it, it also is it, it it begs two questions a um well not begs two questions it begs one question how long had sid shattuck been dead and um they crushed in his face man his face was caved in uh that thing is gone uh so he, that's pretty disgusting but I would say that because the um, uh, oh my god I know this guy's name it's um, the guy that uh, the black guy that um, Russell Crowe beats at the party I think that's why he was there because he killed Shattuck. Gosh, I'm reading, I'm reading through the quotes on IMDb. This movie is so quotable. Oh yeah, dude. Like seriously, it's like it's like Munich. What? Like in the elevator, like Munich. What? Guy without a ball. Is guy without his balls. Munich. <laughs> Munich is a city in Germany. Munich. Munchen. You sure? My dad was stationed there. Right. Hitler only had one ball. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm here to give my dad. A, I'm here to give my dad. A, what are you doing here? I'm here to give you a rim job. Rim shot. Rim shot. <laughs> When the little kids like, uh, I asked them if they wanted to see my dick because I got a big dick. You want to see my dick? He's oh, like, yeah, nah, give me twenty dollars. Like, wants- I'm even gonna have twenty dollars. Yeah. Why am I even saying this? <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but here's a question. Here's a question I, I want to ask you. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, I will say this: there, um, Shane Black is best known for making buddy cop movies, like the best around ever. So. You have, okay, so you have Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon 2, basically, because he wrote that as well. You have Last Boy Scout, you have um, Long Kiss Goodnight, you have Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and you have this. That's, set, that's six movies. Six movies that you could spend, like, two days watching, and it would just be the best, the best partner movies. The only other person, and I hate to say this, I really do, because this guy sucks, and I hate him, but... The only other guy that I've ever seen that writes as good of like like characters that have been taken over by great performances with great chemistry is Max Landis. And I, I hate to say that, but every movie I've seen where it's about a relationship of some sort and two people coming together or forming a friendship of some sort, partnership, it's always so good. But I never want that guy to make a, a movie ever again. Like, fuck Max Landis. <laughs> but I, re- I was watching... I, I was watching uh, American Ultra again with Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart. And it's, they're so good. Mr. Wright with Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick is so good. Dirk Gently is really good. He's, he's so good at it. But I just – and he's, his, his third acts suck. I think his third acts, like, he shits the bed on all of them. But I, he, they're always great opportunities for actors, and they always give great performances. And I'm glad – that somebody else was able to do that, and I hope somebody's able to do it again because that that window that like group is so small that, of people who can write genuinely funny buddy comedies. So, man, yeah, like, God, this movie was a riot start to finish. Honestly, like the whole got the whole the kid, the kid at the beginning. Stealing a porn magazine from his from under his parents' bed, and then he walks he walks through his bedroom, but then a car just crashes right through. 
I like how he said they set it up too. It's a close up to him, and then in the background, out of focus, is a car in a reflection of a window careening down a hill into their house, and then just hard cut to him smashing it through the house. He walks out and sees. <laughs> walks out and sees the. What was the quote? Hold on, it was right there. Um. Also, I'm pretty sure the kid that gets the magazine is the kid from Iron Man 3. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> and then as she's dying, she's like, how do you like my car, big boy? As, the, as a hint to the plan of the movie, but also... I also he think pulled an Edgar Wright. Are you serious? <laughs> well, yeah, the name of the film that they made to reveal the plan of all the evil people in the car industry was called "How Do You Like My Car, Big Boy." Um, man, it's just like I also like the heart of this movie, kind of because, like, um, I was all so. I'm I'm on a just right kick. Um, I'm I'm about to subscribe to him. Um, <laughs> so, hey, it took me forever to subscribe to Corridor, but I'm glad I did. But like, he made a video on Wonder Woman and what writers should take away from it. And it, there was a quote from Patty Jenkins that he shared. It's just like, like we shouldn't mistake like. If your movie's not cheesy, it's insincere. Is basically what it was saying. Yeah. Um, they have to just, believe in it. Yeah, they have to believe in it. Um, and like typical, like kind of tip, a kind of typical. I'm not. I got to see more buddy cop movies, but um, like damaged detective who, like, lost his wife and now has to, is, like, hardly even raising their his kid. And then, like, the, um, the tough guy who beat, who's, like, beating up people for money. Um, like, and then they're kind of just wrestling with all that stuff. And, like, that doesn't, and... That doesn't detract from anything. Like that, that didn't come across as cheesy to me. Like it added to the movie, and I actually like. I'm glad I watched that video before I watched this movie. Otherwise, I don't think I would have picked up on that because, like, that's actually kind of interesting to me. Well, that's my. That would be my biggest question of the night, which is the closest thing out of his movies that like, you can look at all of Shane Black's movies and say, yeah, like, they're all buddy cop movies and you can judge them on those standards of how are they as partner cop movies. Um, partners solving crimes together and coming together as friends. The closest that pair together is this and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. These are pretty much, in terms of, like, the characters and how they play off each other, it's pretty much the same movie. Two outliers come together for a mystery and in that effort, basically create a detective agency because of it. It's that there's the other ones are kind of like that, but not really. So the question is, which one do you like better? And a lot of people ask that a lot. And I think which one I like better is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because I'm a huge RDJ fan. 
However, the difference between that movie and this one is that is a movie that is more focused on style and making you laugh and having a good time and being charming. Like the biggest conflict of that guy's deal is not that he was almost caught by the cops and then got into a movie and is he going to be in the movie or be a good actor? Like that's solved immediately from the get-go. He was never going to be considered. It's whether or not he's at the most emotionally, whether or not he's going to get together with the girl he was in love with in high school. Like the, the case is just a thing that he gets sort of involved in because of her. But that's the most of it. It's for a good time. Will they, won't they, and can they solve the case? And then eventually by the end of the movie you realize, oh, it's about these two guys finding each other as friends, as most Shinobak movies. This movie is different for the exact things that you said. Both of these characters are trying to better themselves. And in the effort of trying to solve this case, find their friendship allows them to do that. And the girl, the kids is kind of an like entrance in Shane Black stuff as a later, as later thing. Like this in Iron Man three sort of have that same gamut. Like it's careful to bring a kid into your adult movie because it may be too like cutesy, but I think she works because she is a moral compass for his father. They're like, beginning of the movie he looks her straight in the face he's like am i a bad person she's like yes if your daughter's saying that then yeah you got a problem dude and maybe you should change and it's interesting coming from this guy who is yeah a muscle he goes around like he doesn't really care about his clients he's there for money he doesn't just you know they're doing his job he's obviously has no problem killing bad people he's met bad men and he's sitting there kind of judging him because he doesn't reach the standards of what he wants to do with himself, which is maybe I should be a private eye. I could really help people that way. And he sees this private eye and he's like, you have this opportunity to better yourself or be a better person. What's up? And you find out, you know, his wife is gone and he's trying to raise the daughter and he feels incredibly guilty because he is somewhat responsible for it. Uh, mostly responsible for it. Um, In the most unique way I've probably ever seen. The guy it can't is. smell. Therefore, mm. when his wife said, I smell gas, I think there's a leak in the furnace. He's like, I can't smell anything. You're full of crap. Well, on top of that, uh, on top of that, he, she also said to check on it, and he just never did. And when he, the first lines he says in the movie after he wakes up in the bath um, is that uh, his wife told him that he um, does things halfway. And he never finishes them. And that's what killed his wife. Like, he never checked up on the furnace. He never followed through. He has no follow through. And that is what killed her. Regardless of whether he has a nose or not, he should have checked up on the furnace to see if she was right or not. And that is caused a fire. Uh, and he does feel guilty about it. And his daughter is razzing him the whole time. But also, I love that the daughter just kind of, like, is on the same page as him. And she's taking care of him in a lot of ways where he's, like, not taking care of himself. But that's she looks him straight in the face towards the end of the movie and he tells him to do the right thing and he does and to get that film would be the right thing like he makes that one promise and it's a step forward but it's the it's the them together it's russell crowe and um gosling meeting each other and forming this friendship and trying to solve this together wanting better things for each other is important um it does it is like there are things about them that they won't stop, which is what makes them charming and human and flawed. Like 
even though Russell Crowe wants to eat an apple, he immediately sees a yoo-hoo and throws the apple into the woods and then immediately goes and buys more yoo-hoo. <laughs> you know, he's got weakness. <laughs> At the end of the movie, he's drinking again. But um, Gosling is never there to judge him. And he's always there to, like, if he's taking care of Gosling and seeing what Gosling is, he can always, like, see that he himself can be a bit better. And also the daughter important thing for both of them he kills the man the daughter asked him later did you do that and he had to lie to her um and he has to make that decision later again kill him or not so also matt bomer just showed up out of nowhere with a freaking trunk load trunk load of weapons including an ak and john boy matt bomer man i did not see that coming i was like yeah we had mentioned it the episode before, and that Matt, ba- Matt Bomer was in this movie. And I completely forgot. And when he showed up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Matt Bomer. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he's so evil. He's super evil. Uh, oh, my gosh. Um, also, I, I did not realize that Keith David was in this movie, too. That was that a surprise to me. That's it. Keith David, thank you. I, ju- I mean, I love Keith David. I just totally spaced on his name. I think Keith David was the man who killed Shattuck at the party, and that's why he was there. And so the corpse is somewhat fresh, but um, I think that's why he was there. Um. How about every time that they show up, someone just randomly gets shot? There was the guy in the ele- when they went up the elevator. They're like, when they were joking about when um when they were talking about uh, Munich, and then they're going up. They look, they look over. They hear a guy choking, and they look over. The guy's choking on his own blood. And then they look to the right, and then the dude just getting lit up. They go back into the elevator after they had decided that we gotta go help. We gotta go. We gotta go help her. And then they see the two guys getting destroyed. And then they go back to down the elevator. And then they're going as they're going down the elevator, they see the guy falling faster than them out the window. Yeah. And Gosling is just quietly freaking out. <laughs> like, I'm surprised that um, Amelia actually died. If she was, yeah. like, going John Wick on these people. And then she jumped on their car from, like, God knows how high. Just out of nowhere. Oh, you thought she killed them? I honestly thought that was her. I'm sorry. I thought that was her. No, no. That's what. No, when they go down and um, go to the bar and they talk to that guy, the guy's like, look, 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 look. You guys seem like good dudes. Like, stay down here. The guy that went up there is fucking. Oh, it was Bomer. It It was was John Bomer. John Boy. John Boy is the one. All of those guys. And the guy, the bartender tried to warn them. And that's why she's running away. Um, okay, I had gotten, I must have misheard then, because, like, when they went up there and they were, and the guys were getting, like, absolutely, like, destroyed. Man, I should have put two and two together. Um, When the guys were getting absolutely destroyed, and then the next sequence was her landing on the car. I So I had drawn the conclusion in my head that it was her doing all that stuff. So I, no, 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 when I saw no. Matt Bomer tearing through people i should have drawn i should have like realized that like oh no wait a minute (laughs) no yeah he's he that's the first entrance of him he's a murderous asshole (laughs) um 
No, she, yes, when she dies, though, because that's the whole point of the movie, they're looking for Amelia. They're trying to find Amelia. And um, when she dies, you're like, fuck. It, has a, it really works well. It's a good twist in the movie that the guys failed, and then they have a chance to redeem themselves um, of, a, of a case that they weren't paying attention to, that the film survived at the uh, woman's house across the street, uh, which is at Amelia's place. Um, so that's super interesting. Uh, but I, I was talking about earlier when they go and meet um, Russell Crowe, the blue-faced guy, and Keith David at his place, and then the things go bad. The blue-faced guy just randomly shoots a woman across the street through the window accidentally. And then later at the party when they're firing, he like Keith David accidentally shoots a guy dressed as a tree, and then he dies. Just randomly. Every now and then, like uh, somebody gets shot, and there's nothing that comes of it. Yeah, like his neighbor... Died. His name, yeah. like um, Russell Crowe's neighbor, gets shot randomly across the window. Yeah. I think that's so interesting. It's like, oh damn, no one pays. There's no uh, like those people die. Like Keith David dies, and so does the blue face guy. But there's no, you don't know anything about that. It's just something that happens, and you have to live with it as a viewer. That just like they do the main characters, and you're like, fuck, that's crazy. That's such a good idea. Um. Oh gosh, what else? Okay, okay. I will say this too. I don't I do not recall a movie that we've reviewed on this show where LA has looked this good. I like the I I really really like the aesthetic of this movie. Really? That's so interesting. Like I don't remember a movie getting LA nightlight or like getting like in a I don't remember like LA looking this good in any time frame since maybe Stretch. The last oh, I can wow. recall ever liking like, and like the LA aesthetic. I'm gonna. I would say, Drive is beautiful. Um, Once upon a time in Hollywood is definitely beautiful. Um, Thief is a great one. Um, and the, most of the, most of these are neo noirs. Um, LA Confidential was a good one too. Um, Collateral. I think Collateral is a beautiful LA movie. Oh, good point. Good point. We did Collateral. But you, you are right. And then um, Inherent Vice uh, has a very good 70s vibe like this movie. It's very slow, but it's also beautiful in terms of an LA movie. It's gorgeous, actually. It's very slow and pensive, but, and there's a lot of scenes of people walking, but everything you're looking at is gorgeous. Um, uh, but yeah, you are right. This is a beautiful LA movie. Um... Stretch is a good call, too. Yeah. Because, like, this... I was, like... When I was watching, I'm like, this movie, for whatever reason, is kind of reminding me of Stretch. But that's, like, Joe Carnahan. I was like, wow, the similarities are striking. <laughs> well, you can it with the L.A. thing, I think, for sure. Um, How about when he's driving and he falls asleep? Oh, yeah, right. So he falls. You don't even see the moment where he falls asleep. He's just like, it's a self-driving car. It was like, wait a minute. Wait, did Shane Black just get insane? And then there's the bug in the back seat. Oh, no, he's asleep. <laughs> he's either asleep or he got spiked. Or <laughs> it's like. <laughs> oh, no, I think he, I think he just fell asleep. No, he did fall asleep, but like I, at the in the moment, I was like, "Did he get spiked?" 
Like, where could he have gotten spiked? No, it does I, drink I, a lot. It does drink, drink a lot. Um, that leads to my favorite callback later when they are being held hostage by the, by the assistant and yeah. he jumps to his ankles and he's like, you have an ankle gun. He's like, when did I have an ankle gun? He's like, you did, I showed you my ankle gun. And then he's like, were you dreaming? He's like, was I dreaming? And I'm, I love that moment. <laughs> I, my top favorite th- moment in the film that I always forget every time I watch the movie is when he tricks the guy by making him think that he's drunk, takes him to the roof, and then throws Keith David off, and then he lands in the pool, and Keith David just splatters. On yep. The- Every time I forget, and I love it. <laughs> I do like the moment where he's where they go into that setting, where they go to that party, and he's just like, he's, the bartender's like, "Hey, get you anything?" He's like, "No, I'm good." Like for drinks, you want anything? And he looks at him like. I'm like, oh no! Why yep. did you just say that? He's like kryptonite. You have kryptonite. <laughs> um, uh, Dad, there are whores here and stuff. How many times have I told you something? <laughs> just I say- do like, I do like the dialogue where they finally got Amelia in the bedroom and they're questioning her, and she's just a complete. She's completely borderline insane. Um. <laughs> Crazy hippie, yeah. Um, and they're just like, I was just like, she's totally insane. And these guys are like, like, oh my gosh, we're dealing with a loon. She's complete. She's lost it. <laughs> and then they're trying to like figure out what's going on while she's just spouting crazy stuff, and they're getting nowhere with her. Like that was that was real funny. But the moment where he tossed, where Matt Bomer's shooting at them, Russell Crowe's like, "Gun! I need a gun!" And then he. Tries to toss it to him and he throws it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then he screams. He's like, shit. <laughs> Dude, how about when Matt Boomer threw a girl through a window? Oh my god. <laughs> we never heard from her again. Like uh they say she's fine by the cops, but yeah, she's mostly like she you see her later with like her hope rubbing her head and being like, eh, but like she's like, she's scarred for the rest of her life. She's scarred for the rest of, of her life. I mean, unless she becomes a stunt woman who ends up throwing herself through windows to get over it. Then. That would be ba- that would actually be kind of that actually be badass. Um, that, that's how I choose to imagine it. Um. Yeah, I like. Um, wow, she would like, also Amelia would end up also being in Ameri- um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She would have one of the most horrific death scenes in a long time. It's pretty great. It's pretty awesome. Oh man, she earns oh, it. She becomes, she's annoying in this movie and she's annoying in that one. But she's also on a show with um, the girl who, the woman who used to do the voice of Bobby Hill, who um, I, I forgot the name of it, but it's a great show. And she plays the daughter, and she's great in it. Um, but yeah, she dies horrifically in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's amazing. I see. Um. Gosh, what else is there to say? Like, how did this you, movie? Uh, sorry, how did you, you feel about the ending? Okay, so I was like, all right. They so Amelia, at that point, Amelia is dead, and I'm like, okay, they've got to like finish this. So that means I was kind of like, wait, is 
I was starting to question whether Amelia was insane within the context of the movie or not. And like I was struggling to um I was I was like at that point I was like, wait, is she insane? Because her mom just had her got whether indirectly or not. Um but um like yeah, but the uh man. So I do kind of like the ending where it's like they got the film. It's not even th- it's like the film didn't really like mean much in the overarching scheme in the overall picture because like Detroit won. Like the motor companies got away with whatever they were got away with the uh um catalytic convert, converter thing with that case and like all that mattered was that they got the movie that like they followed through now, now that i'm actually like thinking about it out loud i actually kind of like the ending like it like they didn't win but they still like got something out of it you know, do you, remember, do you remember in the Maltese Falcon when he was doing all that detective work and he got all those people in the room and he had a chance to get that woman off, but he had a code. He had a rule in his mindset about being a detective. Now, in that movie, it's way more like nihilistic about, about women. He didn't trust women. But that was the way that that sort of noir went. Here's a detective. He has a code. He just can't break that code. As long as he has that, he gets to walk away with his soul. If he takes her in, he's lost his soul, and who knows what happens down the line. He can never trust himself or her ever again. But he's doing the very basic he needs to do to walk away with his humanity left. That is the story here for them. They were, like, having that, getting that film, everything before Amelia died was under the pretense that the film burned when the house burned with Dean, that there was no film. So finding Amelia was important. The mom wanted them to find her so that she could keep them, keep her from being killed and then sort of silence her in whatever way she was going to try to. The people who knew that she was involved with the film that were also involved with the mom and way more dangerous didn't give a fuck. And they just were going to find that girl and kill her no matter what. The mom was just trying to beat him to the punch, but was also evil, too. Um, they, in the process, murdered a lot of people. A lot of people died, especially everyone involved with the film. The film is proof as to why these people were murdered. So by saving the film and producing it as evidence and having Matt Boomer alive, they now have proof that these people were murdered for the film, regardless of whether the film was correct and Detroit gets away with it, which they did, regardless of the film being evidence of it. The film is now evidence that people were murdered because of it. The hitman goes to jail. And then some people, including the mom, go to jail for it, too, because of their involvement. There are fall guys, and the mom is one of them. But the mom should have done something about it. She had the opportunity to go to the authorities and say, look, these people are going to kill my daughter. I was involved. Please stop it. But she didn't. She tried to do it silently on her own. So they did do the right thing by proving that these people were murdered for a reason. But they weren't going to stop the bigwigs because they're just two lonely detectives. But it's what they needed to do for them to walk away with their humanity and say that they did the right thing, which is all they were really looking for at that movie and what is what you hopefully can find in most good 
detective stories. Right. Um, so I like, I, I really like the end. I kind of like how they alluded to the next case. I really actually would want to see a sequel to this. Like, absolutely. Um, ironically, this started out being written as a series, but he couldn't follow it up. So he ended up writing it as a movie. But now, uh, movie, everyone's like, we'd love to see a sequel. But to be honest, I, I w- would love to see a sequel with them, of course. But, like, I don't know what I'd want to see. Like, the girl would be, obviously, by now, a t- like, I know the actress is in the Spider-Man movies, but she's getting on to about, like, college age. So, like, what would you want to say by the 80s? What would these guys be doing around that time? Like, how does it respond to them? Like, maybe like maybe she's out of the picture and it's just those two the next time around. But she's a big reason why this movie works. So, I don't know. I think the window is either closing or it will be gone soon because everybody wanted to kiss, kiss, bang, bang. And at the end of the day, Shane Black has made a lot of movies about people getting together and starting their relationship that would end up, like, being, like, a happy ending down the line. So at the end of the day, if this is just another one of them, I'm happy with that. He's he's made, he's set a precedent for it, so I'm not I don't feel too bad about it. But out of all of them, this is certainly high up there in terms of a sequel that I would want to see. But I would love to see a sequel for Long Kiss Goodnight. I'd love to see a, a sequel for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Last Boy Scout that can be whatever. But also, we've seen what can happen when you get a bunch of sequels, and that's Lethal Weapon. How that's good me. That's exactly what came to mind. Yeah. How good would that have been if there wasn't more? You know, his predator is pretty good. It's a, it's okay. Um, there's a lot of great violence in it, a lot of good character actors in it, a lot of great um, lines in it, um, and some good set pieces. But as a whole, I don't think it fits together very well and is kind of forgettable on the whole. But it's oh, not bad. Oh, that predator. Yeah. I was about to say, what are you talking about? I was like, if it bleeds, we could kill it. No, no, not not Predator, but The Predator. There's the Predator. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah, there is definitely a difference. Yeah. You weren't intimidated. You're not intimidated by a regular old Predator anymore? How about a super buffed up Captain America type Predator? What happens? Yeah, no, it's a Predator that's killing Predators. They do not know what to do with that anymore. They just don't. I mean, he made the series, and I think it's close. Let me put it this way. I, I haven't seen the second Predator in a long time. So for me, it goes Predator, The Predator, Predators, and then Predator 2 is the outlier because I haven't seen it in a while. But there are things about Predator 2 that I do enjoy. It's a Predator in the city, and I also like how they shoot the city. And Danny Glover's awesome. But I think Predator, I think The Predator is really good because Olivia Munn is really good. The guy who was the bad guy in Logan is really good. King Michael Key and other funny people are in there. Thomas Jane is just on the side in that movie. Uh, Jacob Tremblay is really good. His mom is really good in it. And there's some good deaths. Like, there's Jake Busey is just chilling out in that movie. There's a lot of great people in it. But because the marketing campaign did not go well, um, that the movie didn't do well, and Shane Black had to, like, put himself on the side. It's a terrible story, but, like, it sucks. I mean, the movie should have done okay, and I it would have done better than it did if like things were handled better in that whole situation. 
So I don't if unless there's something else that need to be saying, I think we're ready for a grade. I love the soundtrack. I love September. Yes. Um, yes, the soundtrack is great. Uh yeah, dude, people see it. It's a fun time, man. It's so I think it's a better for yeah. Optimal viewing experience. Watch it in the summer. Good. I think this. I think this would be a great summer movie. I'm sad that we didn't. I'm sad the Goodwill didn't get in uh, in July. I love the way that you're thinking. The way I think. <laughs> I don't. I, <laughs> because I do think that matters absolutely. You watch. People talk about watching Christmas movies in Christmas and watching Halloween movies during Halloween. Like that tone, it it, it embeds itself in every movie. And when you set a movie in L.A., where like, and that's the other thing. Shane Black likes to set his movies on Christmas all the time. So, and he sets a lot of them in LA. So the, the thing about LA is you have to put Christmas lights around for you to know that it's Christmas. That's the only difference. You know, people, it's just sunny all the time there. So it, it, it can work in all time of year if you're in LA, but if you're not like, if you're people like me, I almost always watch his movies in the summer. Even I do watch kiss, kiss, bang, bang in at Christmas time, because there is a lot more Christmas stuff in it. However, I always watch it in summer, too, because it's so much fun. This is a great summer movie, though. This certainly, like Hollywood, like um, Drive, these, this is a perfect neo-noir L.A. summer night so, movie. When I, was, when I first started at the movie theater, this, had, this movie was in theaters. So... Yes, um, it's been that long. Um, and I just, I kind of got nostalgic at the end because I would always walk in ready to clean when the movie was uh, concluding. So when I watched the end, I was like, oh man, this is nostalgic. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. It's a great ending to get nostalgic about because it's a nice ending. Yeah. I love that ending because it's like we can't fix the big problems, but we did do the right thing. We can't change the, the world to do a little right. bit. On to the next case. Um, that being said, I'm dancing around A minus. I don't have a lot of complaints with this movie. Um, I have one problem, and that is when um, the the movie stops to have that scene where she gives them the suitcase and they both go and do that thing. They both wouldn't go. Russell Crowe wouldn't have allowed that to happen. Russell Crowe. Also, they didn't. Yeah. They never checked the case either. I feel like Russell Crowe would have been smart enough to check the case. Yes. I think he would have checked the case. I think he wouldn't have gone. I think one of the two of them would have had to have stayed with Amelia. Amelia was crazy and did not trust them. And the daughter and her friend were not enough for that especially when they know there's a guy named John Boy going around doing stuff. Especially Russell Crowe knows that shit. Sorry. Especially when he didn't understand why they were doing this in the first place. Screw that. If I would have left Ryan Gosling there, Ryan Gosling would have still at least tried to protect his daughter in some, some respect. Right. The two of them should not have gone. It derails the movie um, for me. I know it creates this whole thing about them getting back in time for Boomer attacking and everything. And it makes everything a problem. But, like, 
it's a legitimate like writing issue. Like I just don't believe that Russell Crowe's character would have done that. And it's just a way for both of them to be gone for that scene to happen. I think you could have done it with Ryan Gosling being there, but not necessarily falling asleep on them, but maybe doing something else. And then Boomer doing something that would make Amelia run away. Cause it's all Amelia does. She runs away in the midst, all that stuff and gets herself killed. But um, yeah, I just, you could have had her get hit by a car or something. You could have had her like twist her neck, jumping out of the window she didn't have to be killed by Boomer right away, but like Russell Crowe should not have gone. It's not, it doesn't make sense to me. That's my biggest issue. Um, I think it slows the movie down and it takes you out of it from a writing perspective. Outside of that, the, the ending is a little bit confusing, I think. Um, I don't really know how I would make that more sharp, but the, I think just more rewatches, just the more, you re, the more you rewatch this movie, the more clear it gets. Uh, so. Uh, a minus though for sure. It's better than it's better than Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I don't remember what I gave Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, and there is something about this that is like a little too laid back for normal people. It is incredibly chill in a lot of ways, and um, I think that's uh, I think those choices would have been cleared out of a more precise film. Uh, at least in terms of like a film noir or an action movie. And I don't think that's a problem. I think that's what makes it a Shane Black movie. But that's also why it's an A minus. Like there there are things that could make this better, but I could I for the life of me, I could not put my finger on it. But outside of that, yeah. A minus, I think that's a good call. All right. Kiss kiss oh not kiss kiss bang bang. Oh my god. <laughs> well it's almost not, well, we, I said it a lot. Um uh, the nice guys. To the birds. What's the next one? Uh, uh, okay, so um, kind of you missed my setup, dude. I said to the birds, and you were supposed to say hallelujah. Oh, I wouldn't have done that. That's the last line. Those are the last lines of the movie. Oh man. Anyway. Well, I've also watched the movie several times since then. <laughs> I'm in the middle of them interrogating Emily in the bedroom right now. Amelia in the bedroom. All right, Alex. We're going on a new adventure. It's Curiosity? It's series. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the series wheel this week. Oh, my God. I even read out what was on the wheel last time. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> you did. All right. So let's go with the backlog. All right, let me pull up the backlog here. Shit. Okay. All right, the back series backlog as it is today. The it's Expendables. Okay. Scream. Oh yeah. Taken. Oh boy. Star Trek. Literally all of them, even the Jabrams ones. Still hesitant on that, but I, I actually think that would be such an interesting, crazy journey. Uh, before. Oh, the Before Trilogy, yes. That's right. I recently watched that again. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, the Chronicles of Riddick. That's high on my list, buddy. I gotta be honest. View Askew, minus Dogma, because we already did that one. I think I want to save that a little bit until, like... Spring and summer. 
Shrek. Shrek is fun. I think I want to do the I want to do Kung Fu Panda and Dragon first. Speaking of Dragon, How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train Your Dragon. Great trilogy, dude. Solid trilogy. Third one made me cry in a movie theater for the first time. So, okay. Um, the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, let's get to the other Batman's. I still think we need to get to the other Batman's. The Hunger Games. You're more pro about that than I am. I I don't love that series the way everyone else does. And I third I've one's heard, boring. I will admit, is nothing I've happens. Certainly heard that the third one is boring a lot, but I do love Jennifer Lawrence and everyone else involved. I always say watch Battle Royale. That's a better concept of that idea. But Battle Royale is not about revolutions. It's more about people killing themselves and how that's like high school. Um, live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Great choice. Ooh, okay. That and Riddick are up there for me. Robocop. Never seen all of them, so that would be a that's an interesting choice. Here's the thing: Do we include the 2011 remake? Was it 2011? I um sure. I I think um <coughs> excuse me um I think that's an interesting question when it comes to these series bills because like <clears throat> Evil Dead has a remake as well. Whenever we run into that, do we want to do that? Like Total Recall, if we wa- if they made more Total Recalls, would we watch the one with Colin Farrell kind of a thing? Um, yeah, why not? Maybe we change our mind at the end. I don't know. We yeah. can, if we want to. Death Wish. Dude, it's five movies. I hear they get crazy. I've seen the third one, and it's amazing. Rush Hour. I recently we watched those. I think that's a little low on my list for Jackie Chan. I'd pick another Jackie Chan series first. Beverly Hills Cop. I don't think I've seen the third one. Three Ninjas. <laughs> I'd love to hear you just rip into something I watched so much as a kid. <laughs> the Mighty Ducks. I love the Mighty Ducks, man. This um that would be those are great winter movies. Winter to spring movies. Because the third one is not wintry. And the second one's in LA. Twilight. That is one of the best lead-ups to insanity I've ever seen. That that last movie to me is up there with Love on a Leash of just like committed insanity, just with millions of dollars attached. Um, the man with no name. Great westerns, man. Great westerns, classic. The monsterverse. Wait, what did we define that as? The monsterverse. Um, I that may that may have been a Zach pick. I'm gonna put an asterisk on that. I, I need I, clarification. I, I think maybe he was talking about the original old movies, and I do think that those count. We wouldn't watch all of the tie-ins and everything, but like watching the Wolfman, Invisible Man, Jekyll and Hyde, Dracula, and Frankenstein all together is not a bad batch. And because I was insane at the time, Alex Cross. I forgot what, there are yeah that's right. Along came a spider. 
you wanted to end it on the Tyler Perry one, which I am actually. I do think that's a hilarious group of movies. Um, so that's all that's on the backlog. Okay, out of that list, Chronicles, and I'm gonna stick with Chronicles. I think those are that's a three. I think those are three movies that you legitimately be interested in and have things to say about. Okay. Okay, my pick. See, I was thinking about this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was going in thinking John Wick. I'm, yeah, thinking, it's, I'm thinking it's time. Personally, I think it's time. But the more I think about it, just the more that when I like the more I think about it, it just feels like they're kind of like repetitive in a way. So I don't know if they'd be too interesting to talk about. Um, well, I think that w- that's an interesting point because those movies are not the first movies of its kind. They are literally about the action scenes. They're about the choreography. They're about the split decision moments that John Wick makes. And I, I do think the first film is half about grief and leading to those moments. And then when they happen, the explosion of the violence is very satisfying. But that's why I also think the second one is so clear cut because what the process of what he goes through is throughout the film as opposed to the other one. And I also think that those set pieces are better. Finding out what makes those work, really sitting down and watching each scene for what they are is important. Action films are important for that reason. And I think a lot of people sit there and they're like, it's just people shooting each other. It's just Kung Fu. What's the point? What's the point of Kung Fu? It's just people fighting each other. And I'm like, it's about the, it's about every hit. It's about the precision. Like, why do people watch dances? Why do people like Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire? It's about watching a body do these incredible things. Why do I like the raid movies? You know, people put themselves through the time and effort of doing it and filming it. I think Alex, like that. I think I got it. What? Disney live action remakes. You consider those a series? From Cinderella. To Lion King, no, to Milan. Oof. Okay. All right. I count that. I count that. Listen, if we're if the MonsterVerse is on here, and they're not, ex- they're not connected, but they they're like. I mean, okay, I okay. That's a good it, point. I, that's a good point. I, I kind of see it the same way I do. Pixar, but um. Like, if we were to go the original Pixar that came out the night that they all sat down and, you know, came up with, like, four amazing Pixar movies that were all hits and amazing characters. Like, I feel like it's kind of in that route, especially when they're going to keep doing it. But, like, that's also like saying, why aren't we doing all the classic ones, Disney animated ones, too? It's not really... No, that's the thing. We could and compare them. No, I think each film stands on their own. Right. That's I what think I that if thought. we if we did all the um if we did all the uh, live action ones, I would probably watch the originals each, each and every one of them, and then I would just say that the originals are better. That's the whole point of them, man. They're just like the only real good one that people talk about the most is Jungle Book, which I have not watched enough. And every every single other one I've seen has things about it that have merit to it, but aren't really worth it as holes. The only one that I've genuinely liked just like gutturally 
instinctually was the Cinderella. I liked the Cinderella one, and that's the first one, the very first one. So uh, after that, it's sort of downhill and boring for me. We could that. talk. We could definitely talk about how Lily James uh, sacrificed a rib to fit in that dress. Um, the best. I love Lily James. I still want to see her in Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Um, Same here. I, I, it's the time of year to do it. You know what? I want to talk about an interesting thing. I want to actually try to maybe rip in to like something like that. I want to talk about something. Like I want to talk about something interesting. Like for however movies we got, I'm gonna go with Taken. Okie doke. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Taken again. Okay. I'm gonna see if we can get uh, Taken on the board here. Cause that third movie is gonna be such a chore. But we're gonna get such a good episode out of it. Maybe. Between the 15 cuts of Liam Neeson <laughs> climbing a fence. Um, I'll have a seizure. So, okay. Now, do we do a third one in place of Zach? Because he's not here. I think we should. Um, get out of if we're gonna do this, if if we're gonna do this every time, do you want to switch it back and forth until he comes back? Oh wait, no, we're doing, and, we're doing a we're series. We're doing a series. Of yeah, we're not going to spin the. We may not spin the wheel for at least three times. So, I say we pick. We try. We come to a consensus on which one we think Zach would want to see the most. Oh, okay. I think I think Zach would certainly pull for my chronicles. I know that. Um, uh... If he did, I would total then I then it would totally be a majority vote then. Um then I would get a new then I would get a new slot myself. Then you just get you would get in yourself. Then I say it, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles then. That was my first thought too. Cuz I said it already or because you really want to see those too. No, because um No, because I when I was thinking of okay, which one of these does Zach Oh, would Zach, Zach really want to see? I was like, my yeah. first thought was um, TMNT. So, I think he would want to watch Star Trek, but that's a lot. But yeah, TMNT, I think those three movies... First of all, I think the first one's really good. The second one is like goofy that we could talk about and maybe enjoy. But the third one needs a good ribbon. Okay, so we are between TMNT, The Chronicles of Rick, and Taken. In terms of what we will replace... In terms of what we will replace on the series upcoming series wheel spin. All right, here we go. And spin. Lo and behold, it's TMNT. <laughs> Zach wins again. Zach Wait, no, wins I won. Again. I won. That was my choice. That was my choice. And so, we nailed get... we oh, Alex, think about this. We got something off the backlog without adding to it. Oh, that's so true. Yes. We did it. We did it. Now, if I had picked John Wick, that would be a different case. 
But you want to put John Wick on the back row, don't you? Uh, no, I'm not going to. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm just checking the wheels to make sure they're all good. And I'm not. Yep, okay, got that. Okay, yep, we got that. Okay, all right, we got that. All right, are you ready? Uh, do it. On the series wheel, as it stands right now. Currently. Terminator. Mm-hmm. The DC Extended Universe. Oh, boy. Man of Steel to Birds of Prey. Or Wonder Woman 84. I don't know. I don't, no, actually, you don't have Birds of Prey, because we're not going to... Wonder we're Woman not, is not going to get... We're not getting there. Um, I, I think they pushed that back. I don't think it's going to They did. Out. They did. Yeah. Uh, Alien. Yeah, Alien would be fun. Alien and uh, Terminator all have a very variety of interesting movies. The Tolkien universe. That would be very seasonal. It would be actually. It's a great. That's those are great November movies. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Summer movies. But you really want to get to them. I do. I really do. Um, Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. Watch those at any time during the year. I would ideally during summer. I need. I, those are great summer movies too. But if we watch them, I need Zach to catch up till he shows up. Man, the whole point of that for him is to be able to get to the good ones and watch the journey of how, like, they were mediocre to bad to go right immediately. Burton's Batman. So from Batman 1989 to Bur Batman and Robin. Yeah, Burton to Schumacher, Batman. Um, the Marine. <laughs> I know nothing about these. I know nothing about these. <laughs> I have a gut feeling it's going to be the Marine. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. I'm rooting for Fast and Furious, though, but that's against policy. I don't know uh, why. Because these wheels are sentient. My stomach just, like, turned for that one. I was like, hmm. I have a feeling. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Rocky. Rocky would also be very seasonal. It's a great Thanksgiving movie. Yeah, Rocky would be very great. Would love Rocky. Raimi's Spider-Man. Fun movies. Um, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Yikes! Also seasonal. Also seasonal. Those are the big, big. That would take us. That would take us well into, God, Christmas, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Yeah, well, um, few are very Christmassy movies, whereas the last few are very Halloween movies. Evil Dead, also very seasonal. This is a this is a very fall heavy wheel. I would love for you to finally watch Evil Dead. It does end on a very where the remake is very scary, but like if you like them, you would be able to watch Ash and the Evil Dead, which is 
very great. Back to the future. The greatest trilogy of all time, in my opinion. It's the Hobbit. I'm kidding. Um, the Cornetto trilogy. That would be excellent. It would be timely. It would be perfect. Actually, the Cornetto trilogy would be the most perfect thing right now. Kung Fu Panda. You would love it, and I would love the end result of it. Yes. <laughs> the pledge that I made to actually recap my fan fiction. The best. Um, Daniel Craig's James Bond. I started those a little bit ago. I kind of want to run the train on them. I know we're not going to have the, no time to die for another year, but like, kind of really want to watch them again. I started Casino Royale is super good, and you kind of have to watch Quantum of Solace after it. Quantum of Solace is a direct sequel to Casino Royale, pretty much. Speaking of Shane Black, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon, that would be perfect after this. Uh, the Naked Gun movies. You, I can't wait for you to watch those, dude. Those are so funny. And finally, look who's talking. That would be perfect because the last film is a Christmas movie. Making sure the wheel is optimal. Oh, my God. My stomach is turning. Oh, I'm so nervous. This is going to be... The next three to 11 weeks for us. <laughs> Actually, this is either all of November or all of winter. Right. <laughs> Even though it is kind of like time. I know we stop. No, like. We're kind of, I know like the last few winters we've like. Last few holiday seasons we've like. um Ended a series and then went into another series. Like. Did we? Like we start, like we 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 went out of 2019. We came out of 2019 with Die Hard, oh, right? That was, so that was so perfect. Or we started 2020 with Die Hard, I think. That's and then right. We went into, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like what I'm saying. Um, but there's no Star Wars movie to derail us. So that was a year ago, dude. That was. Almost a year ago, yeah. Wow. <sighs> All right, dude, are you ready? This is it. Am I? Am I? Go for it. <sighs> All right, ready? Here we go. This is Here it. Here we go. Oh, my God. Three, two, one, spin. <gasps> oh! Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Ladies and gentlemen, the next series of movies we will be reviewing for the Meister Movie Podcast. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Wow. You know what? I had a little, like, ping when we said that. It was two <laughs> options away from the Marine. It was two options away. Hey, man. It was that's, literally that's... Raimi's Spider-Man, Rocky, then the Marine. That's six movies I really wasn't excited to watch right now. I feel like those are going to be better spring-summer movies. But uh, you know what? Spider-Man, colorful, bright, kind of kind of fun, made by a horror. Like, there is a little bit of horror to these movies, but, like, 
to re a reevaluate three is going to be interesting. Yeah, I. I don't know what to expect anymore because we went through the Matrix sequels. Now, I know this isn't the same situation, but we went through the Matrix sequels, which were like, which are still somewhat universally hated, even though they're kind of like now just being like observed as, okay, maybe they're not totally terrible, but they no, still are people, stuck up their own ass. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think, uh, I think people are like, they're the pretentious friend that you have, that you, you yeah. know, just sort of tolerate sometimes. Me, you to me. So there it is. I've made the change. We've now TMNT takes his place on the wheel. But yeah, there you go, everyone. We are Three doing movies. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Three movies. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's actually well, what are we what are we gonna do after series? I think we should do the rotation again and then another series. Okay, all right. That or we probably... can discuss it once we come out of it. That'll take us right through December, yeah, and then we would start the new year with a whole new series. Right. Dude, yeah, okay, this is fine. Three movies, a, an overall arc, and a big, crazy third one. I like it. We get a good movie, a great movie, and a confusing movie. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad at all. You get to talk about how much of a dick Tommy McGuire is. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he's not like a dick on set, but he's a dick in real life, I hear. Oh, like, really? Like, so, like, he'll totally be, like, a totally, like, professional actor on set, but, like, in real life, he's just a complete, like, douche? So there, yeah, like, he he was professional on set. He really didn't make anyone's life hard. Uh, it, yeah, he was fine. Um, Sam Raimi loved him. They wanted to make a fourth one, but, like, the response to the third one and the studio's response to that response made things super hard. Uh, but he is, there's a movie called Molly's Game written by Aaron Sorkin. And it's based off of the real story of a woman who created like two of the biggest high, high stakes poker games in both New York and LA, like famous people, king, like rich um, uh, kings and kings, princes who would come to these tables and play like amazing rounds of poker. Toby Maguire used to play at one of her tables and like he's played by Michael Sarah in this movie called Molly's Game and he's he and based off a book that was written by the woman after she got out of all of this and to, it paints Toby Maguire as like disgusting kind of like competitive person who plays to basically watch people crash and burn and destroy their lives and it's like wow what a fuck like fuck you dude <laughs> and so like i don't i don't think he works a lot because he doesn't need to i think spider-man was so so big and he was already at that point had been in a few movies um he was a part of leonardo dicaprio's pussy posse still leonardo, Dicap leonardo dicaprio's best friend he made the choice to just be in great gats because he wanted to because they were best friends but um he can pretty much do whatever he wants he just doesn't act that much anymore but uh yeah i hear he's like he's like fucking like ruthless crazy he's done like if you watch if you watch so, Molly's game, fictional presentation of who this guy is but like at the end of the day he did basically screw the woman out of the match because he could and because she wouldn't basically sleep with him and uh, also he yeah he would play the game to just basically I, watch people ruin their lives i will say okay i'm going in with two 
things in my... I'm going in with two mindsets. One, and I'm daring these movies to change my mind. One, I think um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man has the best suit. Hmm. Two? Wait, wait. He has like five suits. Okay, like his default suit. I honestly don't really know which one that is anymore. The one that Tony Stark gave him the first time. Okay, all right. Um, the one with the Karen in it, got it. Yes. Um, and two, that um, Venom was better in his own movie than he was in three. Um, now, I, mean, I don't know, because I never watched three as a fully developed human being. I am now 24. And I'm about, I, to, I, and I'm about to watch that movie. So we're going to find my, out. I, here are my predictions for three for me. Um, uh, the action is great. The action is great. And there's just too much going on. There's a lot of things I like, but there's too much going on. And then there are just some crazy decisions. But the best thing about it is the action. That's going to be my guess. But as for Venom, uh, of course he's better in his own movie. And I think the top, the top part of that is because he was always... He became a fully developed character outside of his attachment to Spider-Man. And he became an even more fully-fledged character when Tom Hardy took over. Uh, in this movie, he's one of like four stories going on. There's too much going on in this movie to ever give Venom enough room to be a character at all. Like, there's too much going on. And I've been actually watching a lot of Topher Grace recently. I like Topher Grace a lot. I, What's I don't he know done he, recently? Uh, he was in Black Klansman, actually. Oh, dang! Yeah. Uh, but I was watching In Good Company and American Ultra and thinking, like, I like Topher Grace. Like, I think he's good. Um, and... Oh, man, uh, I forgot Max Landis wrote American Ultra. Yeah, because the, the relationship between the relationship between um, Q, uh, Kristen Stewart and Jesse Eisenberg is great. I love it. Um, but again, the movie gets bad in the third act when you separate them and they're not together anymore. Um, but he is also playing a really big asshole in that movie that I do. He's, he's good in it. He just... He's not around enough, or at least he doesn't have... You don't know his motivation outside of he wants to... He's crazy, and he just, you know, wants to be the boss through means of, like, violence and terror. So it's it's not much to it. Uh, but I do... I don't remember how he is in Spider-Man. I, every time I see clips of it nowadays, it's usually when he's climbing against the wall talking to Sandman, and the face, the Venom face, comes over him. And... It just looks weird and dopey for the time. Also, the Tobey Maguire dancing emo memes. I never liked that. Never liked it in the movie. And I. Oh, man. I think I'm going to love it. I'm going to love how bad it is. I think I'm going to love how bad it is. Yes. It's a, good, it's a good time. It's a good thing to make fun of. But I also think that there are things about it that stand up, um, certainly as an action film. What the thing that I'm going to have the most trouble with and the thing I'm going to try to deal with the most is the Uncle Ben stuff. Ah. Uh, 
with Sandman. Oh man, Spider Man three is two and a half hours long. <laughs> it's a lot, man. It's a lot. Oh my god. I think we're gonna go insane. <laughs> I think we're gonna go insane at three. That's my official prediction. We're gonna go insane. I love the first movie. It always gets me excited to watch the second movie, and the second movie is amazing. I've loved the second movie. The second movie is one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. And I was there when it came out, man. I watched that stuff in theaters. I, I there's a connection that I have to those films as a superhero film and, and that genre and growing up and watching what it has become. It's so important to me. It's like the way that um, Harry Met Sally is for certain people about romantic comedies. It's the way that Halloween is for certain people when it comes to horror movies. It, it, it not only defined a lot of what the genre would be, but it, it's also great still while it's doing it. And it's amazing. It's such a high. And I don't think that the third movie squanders it. I just think that they put too many cooks in the kitchen. And what you get is a mess. If you to take away, if you take away two or three of those parts, you'd have a better movie, and we all know it. It's the it's the, everybody came back to make the same movie, but the studio came in and forced too many things on them, and they lost interest while they were making it. And it's just too much. It's way too much. But it it is still the same people who make this first and second, and I love that second movie. That second movie is so good. It's just. It's a great, great movie. It's a great superhero movie. It's one of the one of the best. It's a classic, bona fide classic. It's up there with Superman and Batman, um, and Iron Man and Wonder Woman. I, I think it'll go down as an amazing classic. I am now quickly informing the podcast group chat so that Zach knows, and boom. He will know when he wakes up in the morning or when he gets this. I don't know if it, I hope his phone's not on. Um, I said, Zach, real quick, we'll be going through Raimi's Spider-Man. So there we go. All right. All right. That's what we're doing. I'm excited. It's three. The thing is, yeah, like the first one. This one's really great, too. I think. The, talk about Raimi. Also, one more quick thing before we go. I think the series wheel truly is random like you were expecting the marine i was kind of actually not only rooting for but expecting fast and furious we always reach and expect for fast and furious you always prepare with like not just you and me i mean you as a general if you ever come on this podcast if you're a listener you always root for fast and the furious always (laughs) You always hope and secretly have a surprise celebration. I had balloons set up as a band. They're going home right now. Um, and it didn't <laughs> no, they just ripped but, off their clothes and like with Sam Raimi's face on their shirts and like dressed up as Spider-Man and then now they're playing. Bruce Campbell showed up. It's Bruce great. Campbell showed up just, just randomly. Oh um, yeah. I dude. do like how I do like I do like how I've never seen Evil Dead, but I do like how after Evil Dead, like he just shows up in Sam Raimi's movies sometimes. <laughs> Bruce Campbell is a whole other thing in general. He has an amazing career, but also because of those Evil Dead movies, yeah, he made a whole he's made a whole series of films about him being in those movies and fighting evil demons because he's the guy who was in a movie about 
fighting evil demons. He's great. I love Bruce Campbell. Bubba Hotep, come on. Ash and the Evil Dead, it's amazing. But And he made, and, Sir, and Sam Raimi was like a director of a lot of those episodes and a creator and a writer of, of a lot of what that show is. So they continued to work together. Um, but a lot of what Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness would be, and Evil Dead itself, is in Spider-Man. It's Spider Sam Raimi getting Spider-Man is the equivalent of Peter Jackson making Lord of the Rings. They were both schlock horror filmmakers with an amazing apt for making interesting camera movements, and they would just blossom in these other big budget genres. So when people talk about like art house filmmakers getting big budget work, these are two prime examples of guys who stepped up to the plate and murdered it. Um, they're like James so, Gunn. Yeah. Um, okay, so like, also another perspective that I'm going into this with, like, I watched these movies as a kid, but they never really register with me. So like, I'm going into this like, like I admire Spider-Man too. I think it's a really good, like, comic book movie. Um, so. I'm going into this like, okay, Spider-Man's not my favorite, but I do want to like truly like as a whole, at least between one and two, like see, like capture or at least get it like a pretty good coming with a fresh perspective of, okay, this was everyone. This was, this was everyone's Tony Stark at the time before like Iron Man was a thing. That's how you view it? That's crazy. So how old were you when the first two movies came? Well, I, let me ask you this. How old were you when you first saw these movies? And when was the last time you saw them? I saw these movies on TV. Mm-hmm. Back around, like, two, back, like, okay, so I was, I would have turned six the year Spider-Man 1 came out. Mm-hmm. I would have turned eight when Spider-Man 2 came out. Okay. And so, for whatever re- Okay. I think, I'm not sure, but I think I've seen Spider-Man 2 in a movie theater. So this because is how my- I would, would relate to it. Yeah, I was watching the, Bat- the Batman Schumacher movies, Forever and Batman and Robin, around that same age. And yeah, if, if you haven't seen them a lot since then, or you haven't seen them since then, dude? Wow. I have you not are... seen... I have... Okay, I've seen Spider-Man 2 since then, but it's been, like, five years since I have actually, like... No, not five years. Like, three years since did I've seen watch... Spider-Man 2. Did you watch that separately without watching one before it? Yes. Dude! Wow, you are in... <laughs> You are in for a blast, man, because, like, yeah, man. No one I literally have not seen Spider-Man 1, 2 completion since I was a kid. Wow, man. You are in for At least to the best of my knowledge. I might be, I might be slowly losing my memory. Here's what I think is going to happen for you. You're going to really like 1, you're going to think 2 is great, and then you're going to think 3 squandered everything. And you're going to wonder why the hell did it end this way? <laughs> like, all So of is the- this going to like end up like 
the Rise of Skywalker in where, but in this reality, The Last Jedi is universally universally loved. And that's where I'm going to look, that's what I'm looking at here. No, look at it like Last Stand. This is like the original three X-Men movies. Okay, gotcha. This is literally like the original three X-Men movies. X-Men is good. X-Men 2 is great. X3 has way too many uh, cooks in the kitchen. Okay, I'm locked in now. So, okay. There you go, everyone. We will be doing... I'm yes, excited. We're... I'm super excited now. I had no idea this is where you're coming. Dude, this is like the one of the best superhero trilogies of all time. But like, this started it all. Like, you can say X-Men, but like, this captured everyone the way Batman did, the way Superman did. You think, like, you're sitting there saying this is like Iron Man, but this was like Batman. This was like Michael Keaton. This was like uh, Christopher Reeves. Like, Tobey Maguire was it. So, so next week will be Spider-Man 1 from 2002. Where we get, oh, man. Wow. Whew. I'm super happy. Um, I got to, okay, you know what? I got to stop focusing on the intro. The intro will never come to me. I got to come up with an outro, like a solidified. You have an outro. It's been solid for some time now. I mean, not this time. I, okay, I have an outro in mind, but, like, it's not what you think. So just, I just want you to be ready. Okay. So, th- so, next week, everyone, next episode, everybody, Spider-Man 1 from 2002. And we will catch you guys later. Say goodbye, Alex. Bye-bye, bye-bye, do you remember? Bye-bye. That was bad. That was terrible. You know what? <laughs> terrible. And I apologize. Because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> to the birds? Uh, 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 uh. Zach, wake up. I was doing it like, I was doing it like you did. He's telling stories. <laughs> oh, Please man, do you remember story. when that happened? That was so, oh, man. I got to find the, I can't remember which episode that was, but I'm pretty sure I left that in. Um, <laughs> oh, when Zach, um, fell Zach fell asleep. Yeah, I think it was one of the Transformers anyway. movies, but anyway. Anyway, right. yeah, try it, try it again. Try it again. I'll, I'll remember it this time. All right, to the birds. Hallelujah. Good night, everyone. Night, night. Don't let the bed bugs bite.